Hello, everyone. Welcome to Weekly Manga Recap here on June the 3rd of 2020. Uh, is, is it summer yet? I, I think that it's supposed to be summer in like a week. I don't know. I live in Florida. It doesn't matter. It's been summer for two months. So that's what's actually going on. Here. Yeah, you lucky devil, you. It was not bad today uh, because it was overcast most of the day until it started raining, which sucked because uh, Nicole's battery died this morning. Ooh. Uh, yeah, so I had to actually drive her to work, and uh, I'm currently between jobs, so I dealt with uh, all of the what's wrong with her car uh, stuff, and it turns out that my jumper cables don't work, so, so I couldn't, even when I was able to move my car next to hers in the apartment complex's parking lot, I wasn't able to jump it. Uh, but fortunately I, I, I have AAA and uh, so the guy that they sent out literally just did the battery replacement himself. That's but awesome. Then it, yeah, it was great. I was like, when I, when they told me that over the phone, I was like, perfect. Yes, do that. So that I don't have to worry about taking it somewhere afterward. But then I was literally like, you know, my next door neighbor was watching some of this going on. And so I sat down cause it was raining. Uh, so I sat down under, uh, next to our door while the guy worked on the car I tell him like, yeah, the, I remember the first time that my I had a battery die on me. It was because uh, my brake uh, pedal was broken. And so the part of the brake that presses up against the button uh, that tells the brake lights not to turn on, uh, that had decayed away. And so the brake lights were constantly on and that drained the battery. And then the guy weighs me over and the brake lights are on. And I'm like, I know what happened. <laughs> I just got done telling this story. <laughs> I think I figured this out for you, champ. So when, when she got home, Nicole had to actually take it into some auto repair place and they literally did not even charge her uh, to put the new thing in. It was that wow. easy to fix, but That's awesome. I couldn't do it. So it was actually you know two different instances of like someone fixed the car for us that was very helpful uh, than and more so than we were expecting. That's great. Uh, yeah. But unfortunately, in, ter- in the course of doing a lot of that, Chris, um, I didn't review the manga as much as I normally do, so I'm going to be a little bit. All right, this happened in the middle of the, of the show today. Hey, I you know what? Thing, but not some of it not since Sunday. We'll so. we'll, we'll switch roles this week. You can be the ignorant goober, and I'll be the the smart bot, the smart guy. It's a reverse. It's a it's a reversely manga recap. I yeah. don't know. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But Chris, uh, not to bring the mood down too much, to start mm-hmm. things off. We are, uh, we're talking about Basilisk this week, and that's not the reason that we're bringing the movie. I mean, down. it's yeah, that's that's also bad, but there's worse <laughs> things, far worse things going on in the world. No spoiler, but um, uh, as you as I'm sure you guys uh, know, uh, Chris and I both live in America. We live in separate states, uh, and we use Skype to remotely record the podcast. Uh, that said, even though we don't live close to each other. We share a lot of the same ideals and we share a lot of the same concerns about what is going on in this country and honestly what has been going on for multiple times longer than either of us have been alive. Yeah. Uh, but uh, recently, um, you know, last week, uh, a man named George Floyd was killed because uh, four police um, decided, I mean, I'm just going to say it, to abuse their power to kill him. Uh Maybe they did not necessarily intend to kill him, but they intended to apply lethal force to him and they did not care if he died. And it took a really long time as we're recording this, like less than an hour ago, uh, the three people who aided and abetted the man who actually held him down 
uh, have finally been charged with crimes. And the man who actually held him down has been upgraded from third degree to second degree murder. And it took a lot of people all working together to get that done. While a lot of people have been pushing back against their efforts to get that stuff done and to address the term, the conditions that led to that moment to begin with. And so there, this is not going to turn into a whole big thing. We're not going to spend the entire episode talking about what happened, but we are going to make an effort to try and make a difference. Mm -hmm. And so, um, Next week, we have something big planned. And Chris, you can go ahead and explain what we're going to do. Yeah. So, uh, obviously, there's a lot of things right now that are, are being done to, to try to help us. Um, it, it's worth noting that even with the charges, there's there's still uh, untold amount of injustices going on. Uh, in every level of this country and there's going to be a lot of work that's going to need to be done to, to get everything together and uh, we like many Americans during this time are kind of trying to find the best way that we can to help um, and one idea we had uh, is to to try to put together something I think I, I don't consider weekly manga recap like a brand per se we're two idiots to do a podcast uh yeah. so something we want to the try brand, to do the brand is you and me talking and we've no thing so yeah so I, I think what we're trying to do is there's a goal to do a charity stream next week uh, uh it would be here on this current channel and the aim is to have it start around 10 o'clock in the morning and it would run 12 hours and it would be capped off with the newest episode of weekly manga recap. And in case you're worried that you'd get like a, an eight hour podcast uploaded to your thing, we'll obviously separate <laughs> that. Uh, but while it's going on, we have some stuff we're going to auction off or do a lottery for uh, to essentially raise some money. All the money that'll come from it is going to go to a charity involved with this right now. I know we've, we've discussed some different ones, uh, we have one we're looking at, but I, I, don't, I don't know. Things might change. Obviously, there's a lot of there's a lot of like infrastructure work going on in the background here. I do not know how to run a charity stream or any stream really. Like I don't do Twitch really, so it, it's figuring all that stuff out. So the, the mechanics of it are are still very much subject to change. Uh, but I can assure you, we have some cool stuff lined up that we're going to try to put out there and. Hopefully we can raise some money to help e even, you know, a, a single drop of water in a bucket, try to help out in this, this, this pretty awful uh, situation that this country is in. Uh, and hopefully for the people who are watching, able to give some level of enjoyment uh, at this time. Um, we're not trying to pull the spotlight away from anything else. By all means, that's not the situation here. Um, but as I said, a lot of people are confused right now, and this is this is the way we kind of came about thinking this is a way we could help. So um, I'll, I'll probably announce more stuff as we know it, um, but we have some cool stuff, I think, lined up, including uh, because we're about to talk about Basilisk. I'll just go out in the front and say I don't have a recommendation because that's one of the things that we're going to be auctioning off next week is essentially auctioning off my pick for recommendation. So 
uh, that'll be whoever gets that can just choose the next series. We'll read a weekly manga recap. All proceeds are going to Worthy Cause. Um, and yeah, like Chris said, we're not 100% on what that is going to be. And part of that is because there's between now and next week, maybe they won't be accepting donations yeah. anymore. Like there have been so many organizations that have been receiving a lot of support from people and it's wonderful to see, but it does make it a little bit confusing on who is and is not distributing money and stuff now. Yeah. So probably the day of we may have to change our mind. Yeah. And, and things are changing every single day with what needs money and what doesn't. Um, I should also note, just because there's somewhat of a responsibility to make sure amplifying the the things that can. If you're somebody who can't give any money at all, uh, there are a lot of ways you can help out. Uh, I just want to specifically spotlight uh, Zoe Amira on YouTube. Uh, Z-O-E-A-M-R-I-A. They have a hour-long stream featuring black artists, black musicians, uh, black storytellers. Uh, and it's if you watch it, it has a ton of ads on it and 100 percent of the ad revenue is going towards those charities as well. So I can't they keep saying it. And I, I really hope Google isn't a fucking asshole. <laughs> so I know Google's AdSense rules say you can't tell people to just click and let something play ads over and over again to generate revenue. But I'm not wink, not wink, telling you wink to just do that wink, just you know, hypothetically, you could like leave the stream on and it would just make revenue for that. So, you know, that's something. Wink. Again, I can't tell you to do that. Wink, wink. But uh, do it. <laughs> and hey, it's, even if it even if that doesn't work, then hey, it brings attention to, you know, black artists and black voices. So, yeah, yeah why not? OK, well, that's the fact uh, said. We do hope that you guys join us for the stream next week because um, by the time we do the recording for the actual show, hopefully our voices will still be holding up. Uh, let's talk about what we have on the docket for this week, Chris. Let's talk you... about Nick. So we had let's, a recommendation. Let's talk about this dumb ninja series. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to express I'm a little bit angry about this recommendation uh, and I'm angry because you may recall when I took the when I announced the recommendation that when it was listed on the on the Google Doc, it said it was about real ninjas. Yeah, real ninjas, Nick. <laughs> so you know, with, with their with their stretchy doll seam arms and their spider legs and then their tongue swords and all their special abilities that ninjas were known throughout history for having. Now, I don't know if I didn't read that recommendation closely <laughs> enough, and it was talking about how it was about real historical ninja clans, because it is. It is about two clans that, at least by name, existed at the time. Uh, <laughs> but everything else in this series is not real. Yeah. Like, Tokugawa I Ieyasu was a real person. <laughs> that's a, that's a, that doesn't mean that he was this weird, fat, decrepit demon guy who was like, and let them send ten people to fight each other. <laughs> 
And I don't think that there was a real Romeo and Juliet plot going on between the inheritors of the legacies of the two clans. Now, and I'm pretty sure that one of them didn't have Sasuke Uchiha super eye powers. Now, Nick, I played uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! Duelist of the Roses, and I believe that is the actual historical way that the War of the Roses happened. They used playing cards and PlayStation 2s to settle their differences. <laughs> um, also, uh, what, what else? Um, there, let's see, Togodaro Ieyasu was a historical figure. The ninja clans named were actual ninja clans. Um, they came to an end around the timeline that it's given. Most of this manga, from what I understand, is actually based off of a novel uh, that came out in, like, the 60s or something like that. Uh, so it's probably draws much more from a fictional account of historical events than anything else. Uh, let's see here. Um, based on the novel, the Koga Ninja Scrolls by Futaro Yamada published in 1958. The manga was published in 2003 in young magazine uppers. Uh, and I, from what I understand, it has a relatively well-known anime adaptation, uh, probably because it has boobs and fighting. Uh, uh-huh. It's, it's a very kind of exploitation film is not the right exact term for it because like an exploitation film would have like much less impressive like effects in in terms of its fighting. It would not be able to go very far with the superpowers and stuff, but it has a very straightforward plot. It, it has, a, plan- it has a, a B movie kind of feeling to it where it's it's very hokey and cheesy at times. Um, the two clans, uh, up against each other are the Iga and the Koga, uh, the inherit the youngest and basically the Tokugo Yasu, uh, declares that 10 members from each of the two clans are going to fight each other to the death. Uh, last ninja standing, their clan will be declared the victor. This is to resolve a kind of buried feud that has been go that has been simmering in a kind of cold war state for a long time. Uh, because Togao knows that he's going to die, and when he dies, then the power balance is going to be thrown off, and one of them is going to try and claim the power vacuum, and so to avoid an all-out war between the two clans, he's limiting it to this uh, blood battle between just these 20 people. Slowly, they kill each other off over the course of the series. Uh, one member of each of them is the inheritor of their clan, and they're in love, and so their relationship is jeopardized by their families trying to kill each other and that's it (laughs) yeah it it, it, the so what you described is the first chapter and then the remaining 30 some chapters are characters killing each other uh until spoilers they all just kill each other and it ends yeah (laughs) and i've been Uh, told there's a sequel the last ma- <laughs> uh, the last the last person standing also kills themselves yeah so because their lover has died so uh yeah everyone dies hooray um i mean i've seen a fair number of you know kung flu flicks kung flu flicks kung fu flicks <laughs> kung flu flicks are also a good one to watch when oh you're my sick God. <laughs> just like you, you feel a lot you just feel empathy for you know all of the people on screen as they've got you know all the sweat pouring off of them and stuff coming out of their nose <laughs> fighting each other <laughs> um i just, 
there's a bunch of tits in it because every single female ninja that shows up gets their clothes torn off at one point. There's one character. There are multiple characters who use their sexuality in order to kill men. Um, and everyone's got weird powers. Look, so I don't want to bury the lead. This is a dumb series, but the, the big qualifier is if this is a, a, a good dumb series or bad dumb series. And that's to me, a harder question to answer than usual because sometimes it's it's really really bad like as you mentioned uh, female characters in this have uh precisely one role which is sex object uh at least two different characters kill by essentially having intercourse with you uh one character i think she talks to animals or some shit i don't really know and then the other ones don't do any. One one of theirs, one of them has the specific power that as long as she's aroused, she makes the air poisonous. And it's such a dumb, shitty, gross ability that you're like, I really hate this. But every so often there's a moment where you're like, this is the dumbest thing in the world, and I kind of enjoy it. And I want to call a specific moment out. There is a character named Gyobu. And his entire ability was melting into things. He could merge with walls or the floor or all sorts of stuff. And at one point, he goes on a solo assassination mission to try to kill members of the other clan. And he he actually succeeds in killing at least one person. He thinks he kills another one. It's a whole thing. But they find out like his ability is to melt way, into the wall. Brief aside. Sorry, sorry. The main thing that happens in this series is people killing each other. And then it turns out they didn't kill someone and that person comes back and actually kills them. Like that gets used over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah. So, uh, so Gyobu like kills somebody and then he gets stabbed and they're like, haha, there's a blood spot on the floor. He's melted into the ground and someone kills him with a sword and he, he doesn't actually get out of the wall. So it's just a blood spot on this door. And, like, the boat eventually lands, and the rest of his clan finds him. But they don't find him. They find a blood stain on a door, and they ship it off into the water like a Viking funeral. And they're like, goodbye, you dear sweet hero. And you're like, they are pushing a bloody door into the ocean. There wasn't, like, a moment where they could have just been like, oh, well, after he dies, he unmerges with the door. So there's a body. Nope, just push that bloody door into the ocean. And we know like, he's dead. And you're like, this is the dumb. And characters in this series are monumentally stupid. Monumentally. They are the worst ninja. I want to call specific attention to somebody. There's a character. His name is Samon. His ability is to transform into different people. That's his sole ability. He can turn into other people. He has already demonstrated that he has this ability because he turns into a character they kill early on, infiltrates the enemy base, and he's revealed. He survives, but he's revealed. They, everyone knows he can turn into other people. There's a character. Her name is Hatarobi, who was in love with the, the person Samon first turned her, himself into. So she, more than anybody. And by the way, she she he reveals that he's really bad at his job because he's like, oh, uh, I guess that um, this is how this person acts. Like, he's just <laughs> done no research ahead of time. He's like, I th- thought I just had to look like you. Is there more? 
So basically, they know that this character is still out there. So Hadarobi is teaming up with somebody. That character goes off. He's like, I'm going to kill like three of them alone. Obviously, he dies. This dude, obviously, like Samon disguised himself as him, shows back up in Hadarobi. And like, again, with no verification for who he is. And just like, oh, you did? He's like, yep, I I got everybody. Did you get Samon? Uh... Uh, yeah, <laughs> like he's very, very kind of cagey, and she's like, "I guess you did." I should drop all defenses and just let you push me off a cliff to my death. And you're like, this character's stupid. She's so stupid. Did you get the guy who disguised himself <laughs> as you? Yes. <laughs> I, yeah, I got him more than anybody. You could say, <laughs> like. It's, look, there's some astronomically dumb things that happen in this series. And it's kind of sad because there's one chapter I actually really, really liked, which is like halfway through, they kind of do like this flashback chapter. And in it, it, the flashback is to before everything started. So you actually get an opportunity to see all the characters who showed up for one fight and then were killed, like how they were like. And you're like, oh, I can kind of see how they would have interacted with each other. And you kind of get, like, you kind of start to see how these weird characters with their weird powers actually, like, were kind of like a makeshift family, in a way. And it's almost insulting, because then it goes right back to the same scenario of, like, character shows up, character dies, sometimes they don't, and they come back and kill the person who killed them. Like, it's the same thing over and over again. And then it just ends. give you an idea, the... The chapter titles are basically a countdown because it starts off 10 versus 10 and then it's 10 versus 9, 10 versus 8, 10 versus 7, 9 versus 7. It's just counting down how many people are left on both sides. And that's literally the only chapter description you get. And it, it, I mean, it's a series that knows what it's about, which is people with weird powers killing each other. Yeah. And if I mean, literally, you can read one chapter of this. And you can tell if you're going to like the whole series or not. Did you like the way that the weird that the weirdos fought each other? You did. You're going to like the series. Did you think that it got really stupid and you don't think you would like it? You're not going to like the series for the most part. It, it, it's worth that you cannot go into it for the characters because everyone no. is either bland or like a super villain. Everyone's terrible for the most part. There's one dude who's somewhat kind of likable. Uh, and it, even those characters, you kind of get turned down because they're constantly like surrounded and complicit of the characters who are much more awful around them. But there's one character, Koshiro, who's kind of cool. He, I don't know, he can create black holes with wind, basically. His power is kind of broken. Um, his face gets exploded. And I was like, mm, sucks to be you. And then, like, the next page, like, it's, like, a bunch of characters talking. They're like, thank God Koshiro survived. He's just temporarily blinded. You're like, that was a wormhole on his head. I don't know how that dude's still walking around, but all right, whatever. He's fine. <laughs> yeah, he's just, he, he did it. He's, he's uh, still good. I think our connection is uh, kind of kind of crappy right now. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You actually, if, uh, right before we started recording, you told me, like, yeah, I've got character names written down. And I'm like, I should have done that. <laughs> they're so not memorable to me at all. And so many of them just show up and immediately die. That what's the point of even remembering anyone's name except for, like, two people. So, yeah, it's it's I don't remember these names. I read this a week. I finished this a week ago and I 
in that week, I forgot every character's name except the main character. So I had to like go off a list to remember. But it's it's just a very as I said, it's a dumb series at points. It's kind of fun how dumb it is because characters are constantly doing dumb things there's if your idea of like a ninja is someone skilled with tons of technique and and fortitude and and character and resilience you're going to be very disappointed because everyone's an idiot that just happens to have like a devil fruit power and basically they they all die in the simplest ways usually one dude's like oh i need to be near water uh, give me water. And then the guy's like, I'll bring you over to water. And then as soon as he gets over, there, he's like, all right, now I'm going to jump down your throat and kill you. And then that's the one dude's dead forever. He just, he fucking walked a dude over to his like hot spot and then died. And that's it. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what? I, 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 I think there's, it's kind of, go ahead. I was going to say, what I guess I'm trying to get across is there's kind of a fun bad quality to this series because it is kind of a so dumb it's fun aspect to it but there's also a lot of very frustrating parts and i mentioned before the way women characters are used uh, all of them feel like they are either there to be basically sexually assaulted or threatened to be sexually assaulted or their power involves them physically touching and wrapping themselves around other characters and that gets very exhausting very quickly and the main antagonist is not cool his entire gimmick is that he just can't die so no less than five times in this 30 chapter series do they do a death fake out with him only for him to survive and continue and you're like this trick is old it needs to stop yeah um it reminded me a little bit of uh, King, on- King on Ashwa, you know, death matches in- with people who have really weird fighting abilities and stuff. It's kind of like a hybrid between that and One Piece because, you know, it's team battles and stuff. Uh, so, you know, imagine like if Oda did, you know, King on Ashwa, but it was like Dark Side Oda, who <laughs> was just like <laughs> evil Oda. His, his car- his corrupt evil dark side was fully unleashed and it was like, Oh, this isn't fun. It's just like unpleasant. Yeah. Um, but it's such a simple story that I don't hate it. I just don't care. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, I guess the best thing I could say about the series is it's very digestible. Like, I feel like if you yeah. get into it, you could finish it and like, a weekend essentially and uh like us you'll probably forget everything about it by the end of the year um i'm curious i don't want to jinx it but in my mind i'm like this might be the series at the end of the year that we recap all the series we read over the year i'm gonna be like what the fuck was basilisk like remember those ninjas fight each other like no no <laughs> i'll just make something up and i'll be like oh you know chris it was that you know like thriller that uh you know had the <laughs> no, liam neeson was in it he was in a manga yeah. what does that even mean he Jesus. was in it like, fuck i can't believe i forgot it said he said some questionable things about black people and <laughs> oh liam neeson what a bad time to read the climate mm-hmm. all right 
With that done, Basilisk discussion is over. We're going to talk about our usual series. It was a bit of an odd week in terms of what manga were around and which ones weren't. But anyway, My Hero Academia, chapter number 273, The Thrill of Destruction. Shigaraki woke up last chapter and things started crumbling. And the like wave of destruction went a really long ways away from the underground facility where he was in. It went all the way to where they were evacuating the nearby town. Deku tried to stop it with an Air Force thing. Uh, we see in the beginning of this chapter, um, it didn't it didn't work. No. Uh-oh. <laughs> so uh, everything is crumbling to dust. Deku recognizes it as Shigaraki's ability. Uh, I guess he's never actually seen it in action, come to think of it. But we see the flashback from all the way back when Shigaraki confronted him when they went shopping. And, uh, you know, he kind of like threatened him by putting his hand around Deku's neck and said, like, if I just close my grip, you turn to dust. Uh, so Deku realizes that. Also, the voice in his head told him that it was that. <laughs> Works out. Uh, Todoroki summons a giant wave of ice to try and counteract the wave of destruction. Uh, and nobody bothers to stick around long enough to see if it works or not, because everyone's just grabbing uh, people and getting away. Uh, we see Raraka doing it, Bakugo doing it, uh, Deku, uh, Nejirev goes into action, Ida's running around, and uh, they're calling out for... Uh, Burnin, meanwhile, is calling out for anyone who has actually gone to the hospital, all of the top-tier pro heroes who are over there, and she's not seemingly getting a response as everyone tries to evacuate. We cut back over to Shigaraki. Uh, there's no building around him anymore. So there's just this tiny little plateau that, that he's standing on from uh, that is left from the entire underground facility. Presumably, uh, Exlis is behind one of these little bits of machinery. I'm sure <laughs> uh, he's still alive. I'm still alive, everybody. <laughs> uh, part of the machinery has a big ass hole in it now. Uh Shigaraki goes over towards it and reaches inside of it. And there's like broken ass open uh, beakers and stuff inside of it. He tries to you know, pull them out. And he's like, ah, well, after the doctor went all the trouble to make more of them. Most are just ruined now. Overhaul would be so disappointed. So I'm not sure exactly what all this is. I think that it's wait, the, maybe it's the quirks that he was being injected with. Overhaul. Overhaul. So like the overhaul the dude from the last arc with the, the plague doctor mask. Am yeah. I... So presumably these are also, these might also be like bullets. Oh, you know, those the, are the, Oh, are these the um, things? Okay. That makes sense. That gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So presumably Dr. Ujiko was able to uh, replicate them, okay. but there aren't a whole ton of them. Um, so we have to just keep that in mind. In addition to everything else the villains have going for them, they have quirk-destroying bullets or quirk-destroying something. Uh, so there's that. Uh, Shigaraki gets this kind of pulse in his head and he just, you know, hear, hears this, like, voice going, destroy. And we also get a good look at his hand. We've seen his hand before after his fight with Redestro and how he's still missing the fingers. Uh, and that's still the case. Uh, of course, now that he's gotten all this shit injected into him, that's probably not as big a deal anymore that uh, he can't supposedly use that hand. Uh, he picks up what looks like a phone or an iPad. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Um, 
but uh, I think that it's what he uses in order to. Yeah, it is. So he call uses it to contact Gigantomachia. And he calls him over to himself and says, and bring the others. This is when we destroy everything. And Gigantomachia rears up, as we saw him doing in the last chapter. We go over to the mountains. Uh, Tokoyami passes Fat Gum going the other way. Fat, uh, Tokoyami still has Hawks held in his hands, and Fat Gum realizes this, and he calls over to him. There should be medics back with the rear guard. Then we go up to where the giant wave of ice is. Uh, Mount Lady is trying to punch her way through it, and she's really pissed off because you know she got blown the way, blown away, uh, whipped by it. <laughs> At that moment, as they're following behind uh, Mount Lady, a bunch of the pro heroes are like, "All right, let's do this." And they turn over to the guy with the mouths who had tried to capture Toga and Compress. And they're like, wait a minute. Didn't you capture Toga and Mr. Compress? And they take out a knife and cut the guy's fucking throat. And it's Toga in disguise. And she goes into action immediately and starts cutting through them. Uh, we cut from her to where Mr. Compress is uh, hiding. Pretty sure he's just fucking hiding, which I don't really blame him. I wouldn't want to get into contact with all this going on. Uh, Dobby catches up with him and is basically like, do you want to leave? <laughs> because this, this bad shit's going down. And uh, Comp- Compress says, I'm pretty sure that Twice is dead. Uh, uh, and I tried to stop to, you know, jumping into the fray was tandem by the suicide. She still went. I've never seen her lose her cool like this. And we catch back up with Toga again as you know, more people are falling with bloody wounds and her disguise melts off of herself. And she says, it's hard to keep living. I want a world where I can live nice and easy, a world with just the things I love. But you heroes mess everything up. And as her disguise fades, demonic with anger and there's this cool ass full page spread as she's posing with her disguise melting off her on top of the crumbling ice as Gigantomachia's hand breaks through free of the ground upright and looms up behind her meanwhile in the ruins of the hospital Endeavor arrives and he comes bearing down on Shigaraki who has a spiffy new cloak and calls out for him and uh, they're facing off against each other now. So, Endeavor didn't die in that massive wave of destruction. You mean the number one um, hero didn't get killed off like panel? Cha- <laughs> I don't like his chances right now, though. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, things are moving. moving, And, uh, yeah, that tide has turned officially. Like, a bunch of people, a bunch of heroes are dead. And more are dying as the League of Villains, not, ju- not just Shigaraki and Gigantomachia, but seemingly the League as a whole is starting to regather themselves. So, yeah, uh, I think what we're cool going to, yeah, I think what we're going to have to do here is uh, we're going to have to move some manga around. The connection between us is, is really bad right now. So we might have to do like a reset on it. Uh, so I think okay. if, if you want to try doing a reset real quick, I'm just going to jump into Eden Zero and then we'll, we'll recycle okay. it after that. So our video is going to go me, down uh, for a moment, but the stream will continue. All right, so we'll start up being zero here. Uh, chapter 96, A Young Man's Memories. Uh, and we get our little character profile page. This one's for Moscow Verse Zero, or Verso. Looks like a zero, so I'm going to say Versus Zero. Uh, who's terrible at everything, apparently, 
But his mystery button's a five out of five. So uh, not really being subtle that this is like a huge deus ex machina at some point. Um, And eh, that's pretty much all that I guess there is to say about Moscow. Uh, I guess if he was going to have his own special little stat, I guess mystery button's the one to go for. Because I guess the alternative would probably be saying your name a lot, I guess. He'd be like four at that. I want to give him five. So last time, Arsenal showed up to fight Draki Joe. Interrupted the fight with Shiki. Uh, because uh, we kind of spontaneously found out that uh, Arsenal has a much more personal vendetta against, with, with, with Draki Joe than we realized. Uh, he was like, they found out what Dragon Joe's been doing with stealing life forces from the planets he's been on, and uh, apparently that that's part of the reason Weiss lost somebody very important to him. So now he's he's here to have a fight because he's not going to let Dragon Joe get away first. So he shows up and he just starts saying like, "He's my, he's mine. It was you. You did it," and just starts shooting him. Uh, and Dragon Joe kind of bluntly just states like, "You can do whatever you want. I mean, I could just." turn your bullets into something else over and over and over. So, uh, you're not really going to be able to do anything against me. Um, and then we, we cut away to, to 60 years ago on the planet Norma. So this is Norma before there's the, the, the planet eating kind of thing. Um, oh, the chronophage, I was it. So, it, it's Weiss is, I don't know, maybe like six years old, and he's with a woman in the hospital who's obviously his mom, and uh, she's she's not she's just not doing that hot, you know? So, excuse us, you're going to hear some of the Skype sounds for a moment. There we go. All right, I think that Skype appreciated me resetting it because that one came up a lot more easily. So. Okay, cool. Uh, so, Weiss is in the hospital with his uh, mommy dearest. And she's not doing very well. And there's a moment where the doctors basically go into the next room and immediately start talking about how her life is forfeit. Like, it felt very inconsiderate for the doctors to just go into the next room over and be like, she's dying. I don't know what's going on. Screaming it out, basically. Let's make sure that we're loud enough so that the crying child behind this thin window can hear every word we're saying. (laughs) They explained her like it doesn't make sense. She shouldn't be dying. There's there's nothing that's causing it, which is kind of silly because I got the idea like oh, Draco Joe steals the life force of people, but I guess it's like intangibly like the spirit energy essentially because you would yeah. assume that if life energy was being taken, it would just mean like your organs would fail sooner, so there would be a reason. But this time they're just like I don't know. She's a perfectly healthy person. She just can't hold on anymore. It's it's really weird because, you know, she's weak. She's just weaker, basically. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's like um, because of this, she has just reached the end of her life, essentially. Mm-hmm. It's like that whole thing at the end of Revenge of the Sith, where it's like, she's just lost the will to live. <laughs> Fuck, man. I, I really do like Revenge of the Sith, but it, that is probably the worst moment of that movie. That and Anakin, you're breaking my heart. Oh, oh man. my! Poor Natalie Portman. Poor. 
<laughs> poor Natalie Portman and any scene where Hayden Christensen had to interact with Natalie Portman, yeah. unfortunately. Oh, that's very sad. Uh, yeah, so she's dying. She basically also gets like... Also Jake Lloyd, whenever he had to interact with Natalie Portman. Those were bad, too. Yeah, again... Are you an angel? <laughs> I'm not shitting on Natalie Portman. She's a fantastic actress. That was just a fucking terrible direction by George Lucas. Um, and writing by George Lucas. Uh, special effects for George Lucas pretty good, though. So, <laughs> you know, pints on the board. Uh, she basically gives her whole big speech, like, uh, I'm dying, but I want you to be strong and have a good life and you no, know, no, make Chris, friends. No. Well, no, I'm going to want you to stay strong and live a good life. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because that's what wise apparently is. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, I'm going to be alone now, but you have was in the course most you do. Uh, referring to Mother, uh, the space goddess, essentially, um, which is kind of weird. There's a much more spiritual aspect that this character is now taking that I wasn't quite expecting. Um, this very much feels like the Force or uh, the Island, any kind of representation for, and I don't want to like specify a denomination, but kind of theistic deity that watches over everything and has a manipulative force to it kind of thing mm. um apparently that's what they're going with now or at least mother or weiss's mom did yeah so but i mean you know this is a kind of little thing to where it's like oh hey you know this is this is weiss's reason for wanting to find one piece kind of thing so uh-huh. yeah you know what and that's a pretty good reason uh, I don't know why it's like a random flashback with no setup in the middle of yeah. another fight, but we'll get I, to I that. Wish that. I wish that Weiss's little character thing didn't happen in the middle of Rebecca's arc, kind of. Yeah. I know that, uh, uh, was it Sibir? Sibir? Sibir. The, uh, I know that he's involved in this, but he and Weiss had very little like stuff going on in either timeline, so... Well, there's a lot of rewriting that we'll get to, yeah. So, uh, Weiss, you know, back in the present, is like, you killed her, you killed my mom, I'm gonna kill you. Uh, and Dragon Joe, I do like, is like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I have no idea who you're referring to. I generally don't kill people. It's like my rule. And they're like, yeah, but you killed my mom. He's like, oh, well, sucks to suck then, because I'm just gonna turn your stupid little suit of armor into an explosion and he lives uh so track of joke has his big monologue i always study up of my enemies and your background check reminded me you're the kid who stole my money years ago i cut off your arm but funny thing your arm's right there still attached so he goes to cut off wise's arm and we get another flashback to when he was apparently going to be part of sabir's guild uh, or group back on uh norma and they have like a conversation on like some some construction scaffolding i guess this is by where sabir's hideout was and he's like oh you got this pennant for your mom wise like yeah no i never told anybody about this and sabir's like hey it looks like it would fetch a pretty penny he's like hey you know they, they talk a little bit he basically explains like i got my power by helping a robot that's why wise's ether gear is like kind of repairing things and then the conversation essentially ends and Weiss is like, eventually goes up to Sabir and he's like, where's my pendant? You took my pendant. I haven't told anybody about my pendant before. Why would you do this? And in a weird case of like kind of retconning, Sabir's like, 
What do you mean? We're Nakama. I would never steal my Nakama. And I was like, I'm like, I don't know if he's supposed to be lying, but you definitely don't get the impression that's supposed to be the case. Because what sets him off is he's like, hey, I wouldn't do this to some someone in my crew. And yeah, Weiss honor, is just, honor amongst thieves, basically. Yeah. And Weiss is just like, you're not my crew. And Sabir's like, all right, fine. Get the fuck out then. And you're like, so this dude's like kind of admirable because he is loyal to all of his friends. Mind you, he's going to make a robot into a slave for him to personally commit crimes. But, uh, you know, good to his people. So I guess he's a noble hero for the for the, the, the downtrodden. And uh, it ends with Sabir even saying, like, thought we were friends. <laughs> like, what? All right. I guess this is where we're going with this. Um. It's worth noting, I should specify, this is that timeline version of Sabir that we did meet before. This isn't the alternate yes. timeline version that right. had the chronophage eaten. This is the one we saw that Shiki fought because he was you doing very bad things. So, uh, there's that. <laughs> and also, there is, there's like a very small couple of panels that show the person who actually stole the pendant, presumably. It's this weird pompadour guy. But like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we, oh, sorry. It's just, it's just another weird thing to kind of suddenly be introduced out of nowhere. So. Yeah. Uh, it's much like, uh, Hey Nick, you like Han Solo, right? What are you, what's your most iconic part of the Han Solo character? Did uh, you the, say the uh, dice that hang from his dashboard? Well, you're correct. And we're going to do two movies about it. Yeah. <laughs> At least when they introduced that in the sequel, it also they also put it in the the prequel. So it's like, all right, you know, <laughs> fine. Introduce a thing that we can brand around, <laughs> fine. But yeah, <laughs> just like <laughs> old Harrison Ford puts them up, and you're like, what the, what the fuck are those? What are you talking about? I've always had these. They, <laughs> they like, were in the other oh, movies. Lucas changed the film. We'll never know. <laughs> There's gonna be a new Disney cut that just makes <laughs> just makes them glow and characters point to them and talk about those are cool dice that are hanging from your dashboard there. There'll just be like a random in the middle of uh their that first uh flight to Alderaan. There'll be, it'll just be a freeze frame of Luke and Han Solo in the cockpit, and it'll be, you know, current Mark Hamill voicing something and some random guy voicing Han Solo doing the other part. So so it'll be like what Hang on, let me let me do my let me do my Mark Hamill Joker. Is like, what are those dice doing there? And then someone oh, will just yeah, be like, oh, yeah, those I've are had them. Those are dice that I've always had. They're, they're very important to me, and they belong to someone very important. It'll just be a freeze frame, <laughs> no lip movement. <laughs> they just animate a Chewbacca hand over his mouth. Oh, I've always had those dice. Don't you remember? I've had them forever. <laughs> That's just the background space shots move behind him. <laughs> but everything like, else stays static. But not like Star Wars space shots. It'll be like a 90s space screensaver. <laughs> oh, you can see like the little ball bouncing thing forth in the background. <laughs> and then and then like on the other side, whenever the camera switches, it's pipes growing up. <laughs> it just turns into that maze. <laughs> like, oh, he found the rat. <laughs> Uh, oh, these are all drawn <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we go back to the, the present. 
Weiss is saved from having his arm cut off by Shiki. And Weiss is like, oh, ask for your help. Shiki's like, but a friend gives it anyway. So never take something important that belongs to another. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he's like, hey, we can't beat him alone. So let's work together. And uh, yeah, they're going to team up to defeat him. We'll just we'll just wait for ten more seconds. There we go. <laughs> yeah, oh, now it's going to be significantly harder, easier. I don't really know. So at that moment, Hermit finishes her hacking, reverses Dragon Joe's ener- energy flow. She turns the uh, the the switch that says blow to suck. So now it takes all the energy away from Dragon Joe, and uh, as a result, he begins turning into a monster blob thing. Oh my god, he's gone full Akira. And <laughs> that's the chapter, and you're like, Alright. <laughs> I don't So <laughs> So when he had his life force was drained out of him, he became stronger. <laughs> well, they they do say something's not right. So maybe it's something because all of it's being pulled out of him and his body is rejecting it and changing. It's maybe it's turning his own ability to change matter against him. And it's turning into something else. There, there's very well possibly something going on there. I'm just, I think this is a less interesting direction to go in than just what you had going on before. I feel like anytime you turn your major antagonist into a giant non-talking monster thing, it usually sets yourself up for a pretty big anticlimax. Um, I what mean, should have happened, Chris. What should have happened is uh-huh. instead of taking on this Akira monster form, he should have reverted back to DJ Zombie. And they have to no one to know. Yeah, <laughs> he's got he's got the headphones on. <laughs> he's behind turntables, but he's grinning sinisterly. Yeah, <laughs> I don't kill people. Bang! Ah, <laughs> uh, right. dear. Yeah, I, I I'm in agreement with you. Um. I think that it's because it's like if you beat the first boss form without actually beating them, Uh you know, I think that there should have at least been a I think that you could have had a more satisfying, even if it's a last minute bit of character development for Weiss, uh, you could have drawn out his flashback or his the stuff revolving around his character in this chapter uh, lasts a little bit longer. And then you get the moment that you end on the moment where Shiki and Weiss uh, say, all right, we have to work together to beat yeah. this guy. Cliffhanger. Next chapter. They do the thing which starts to get them the advantage. And then Hermit flips the switch when uh, it looks like Drakenjo has turned the tables on them. Uh, so that way the whole team works together. And then and he takes the monster form. You know, there. I think there should have been one more chapter, but that's Eden Zero in a nutshell. Is keep going, go, 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 faster, go. faster, faster, faster. We've been in this arc. We've been in this arc for twenty chapters. No one will possibly sit through all of these. I mean, it's like a constant foot race between Black Clover and this. But Black Clover, like honestly, it has better cliffhangers. I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. Let's move on ahead to Actage chapter or scene 114, Ultimate Actor's Dream Part 2. We had a color page at the beginning and it's incredibly just. I, can't, I don't know where to look. There's too many colors. <laughs> it's very neon and very shiny. It's very co- It looks like the uh, the opening for Jojo Part 4, the crazy, noisy, bizarre town. Like it's very much in that same kind of 80s style. 
Um, I guess it's also worth noting. So there was a big announcement for Actage. Everyone got really excited. They're like, anime, anime, anime. 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 It's uh, it's not anime. It's a live uh, production of the second major arc. The 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 intergalactic railroad. I think was the name of it or whatever. Uh, that Thanks. arc is do, gonna... do, do a, yeah. Do a stage production of the play. Sure, yeah. So. so they're gonna do a stage production of that, and uh, presumably you'll get an anime. At some point, I, I I wouldn't worry yourself too much that it's it's coming. Uh, we're we're still one hundred chapters up. <laughs> don't worry, Actage fans. You can watch the the Jujutsu Kaisen anime. That's the same. I've never read Jujutsu Kaisen. That I don't read that as it is. It's just oh. a completely different. I was gonna say because I actually have been reading it, and I oh, cool. I feel like that's something we might need to discuss for the show at some point, Nick. You've always been talking about that bleach-shaped hole in your heart, and I, am. Uh, I think Jujutsu Kaisen might be it. I do somewhat stand. I do mostly stand by that statement. Still, <laughs> that's fair. Anyway, uh, Kay's going to see one of Kuriyama's movies. Uh, they, Kuriyama takes her into the theater. They get tickets and stuff. But Kuriyama's like, "Yeah, we're we're not actually watching my movie yet because the showing's not until this evening. Very limited screening, basically." So he's like, we're going to have a movie, movie smorgasbord today, like true actors, which I think that's a cool thing. It's like, yeah, let's spend the whole day watching different movies. Yeah, because you know, that's a way for Katie to kind of study the craft a little bit, which is a more normal thing that she probably could have started with. Have, have, have you ever had one of those days where you watch like a whole bunch of movies in a row? Not at a theater. OK, uh, I mean, the- occasionally I occasionally nicole and i'll stay at home and marathon a bunch of stuff but the closest i ever came i don't it, i doubt anybody remembers but back in 2015 i was doing a podcast called exposition dump where we'd see a new movie every week and every so often a couple of movies would line up on the same weekend and there was one weekend mm-hmm. i saw three movies at the same time Oof. i saw uh lone survivor which was very harrowing but very good i saw her which i did not expect to enjoy and that is one of my all-time favorite movies i i never expected it and i it's one of the movies i have a closer personal connection to maybe any other and then i wrapped up that trilogy with the legend of hercules the only time in my life i've ever fallen asleep during a movie and i woke up and i was like where am i and it's scary because you're all alone in that theater you're just like what's happening where is everyone else? <laughs> Have they been raptured? Oh god! <laughs> I stayed at the movie theater all night. You're like <laughs> they locked me in. <laughs> You're like this is like the alternate alternate take of evil of uh, uh, Army of Darkness. So you wake up in the theater and you're like, where is everyone? Ah, I slept too long. Oh no! Then the movie's still going on. Oh, yeah. I remember Exposition Dump. I joined you guys so we could talk about uh, Edge of Tomorrow once. That's right. That is absolutely yeah. right. It was a good show. Right. That was a good year of my life. I really enjoyed seeing movies every week. Well, because you you were like the guy who didn't watch movies for a really long time. Yeah. And then suddenly you did. So, And I saw, because of the fact that we just would see whatever was kind of interesting, ended up seeing some of my favorite movies of all time. Cool. that so it's that's a highly recommended idea if you're ever interested just if you have like a saturday where you're not doing anything just go to a movie theater and watch like three movies in a row uh you'll hate yourself after it but well who knows we're not even having movie theaters anymore who knows what this yeah, world's gonna be point. like but highly recommended still 
I don't know. Sitting through three movies, I think, would be in a theater. I think would be too exhausting for well, me. So, well, do it like I do, where you well, you end, in the worst one. You end it with a real stinker, and the only thing you can remember in that movie is that Zeus, in the form of a rain cloud, fucks Hera. <laughs> like you just watch a woman rise up into a thundercloud and be like orgasm <laughs> like all right <laughs> well she said she had one <laughs> all right getting back to the monk <laughs> so three movies in they're they're you know you know they go to a starbucks uh, i assume it's a starbucks but you know copyright avoidance by covering up part of the logo yeah schmarbucks um, yeah uh Kuriyama asks her, like, hey, are you kind of, you know, wiped? And, and Kay says, no, I'm just thinking about the last movie we saw because I couldn't relate to the main character after a certain point. And she, you know, explains, like, you know, I would have tried to cry quietly in his position and he was just, you know, bawling really loudly. And I kind of, like, I couldn't, you know, imagine someone like him turning out that way. And Kuriyama used that point of sometimes a character's personality is too far removed from our own and whether you think a movie is good or not can just be about how compatible you feel with it. And then it's like act age created a chapter to explain why I don't like it. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, here you, you go. go <laughs> you don't, you're just not compatible with K. It's not that mm-hmm. the manga is not amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, everything they say is good. Um, and so Kuriyama's thinking to himself, like, you know, there's all these different movies in which characters behave in ways that seem out of character. And when that that happens, you know, when the director and the actors don't completely understand what the character should be like. But she feels like she relates to the characters better than a mediocre director. And that can be really scary for a director to deal with sometimes. But then he thinks, no. It's the best type to deal with. I'm not afraid because I'm not a mediocre director. <laughs> yeah, I get it. So uh, they head back, and then we kind of cut ahead to when it's time to actually see Kuriyama's movie. And uh, so she's like, all right, here we go. And Kuriyama's like, are you nervous? And she says, no, but I don't know. I'm worried. What if your movies suck? <laughs> in, in as many words, so. And then she has a bit of a Sin Sin moment. Stop that. Uh, then they sit down and watch the movie. And we get Kay's narration kind of as after the fact while we watch her watching it. And she explains the movie was portraying a woman's everyday life. Her face was never shown on screen. And it was a strange experience. It wasn't until after the end credits that I never noticed that you would never see her face, which I find to be a very obvious thing when you when you're following one woman around her day and she you never see her face. I think you would notice that. <laughs> I, I, it's very much a dressed up thing. But, yeah, it is one of those things where you're like, I don't know, eventually you'd kind of pick it out. Like, <laughs> I guess I guess the idea is Kay gets so invested in it she can't. But if I wonder if that they're like, no, that's the intended experience that you would watch the movie and never recognize that it's. The same, you know, it's you never see their face. I mean, like, I remember when I was watching The Wire and I realized, like, oh, there's like no like out of universe music in this Mm. movie. Like all the music you hear is like played on a radio somewhere on, you know, in the scene or something like that. And it took me, you know, 
and not until like the end of the first or second episode before I realized, oh, oh that's a that's a cool little aesthetic that, you know, there's nothing to like take you out of the world that you're in, nothing to break the immersion. But if I had seen if I had been following just one of the many characters and, you know, God, I've forgotten literally everyone's McNulty. name. Show. <laughs> if we had been following McNulty the whole time and you're just like, I'm from Baltimore, you know, and, and you never see his got, face. Like, got my Baltimore accent coming from a guy from uh, England. Of course. <laughs> what the fuck did I do? If you'd eventually just be like, why, why don't we see this one asshole cop's face? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. Anyway, afterwards, people are filtering out of the theater and they're like, yeah, I came to see it because that guy who did the Princess Iron fan production did it. But I don't know. It was weird. Apparently, like won an award. Is this like supposed to be art or something? See, this is why you always do your research online before you actually go and see a movie. Nowadays, I cannot tell you what when I worked at the movie theater. It's Nick. How frequently do you think people show up to a movie theater and do not know what they're going to go see? I imagine if you're working at a theater, it is at least four times a day. It's more than that. Yeah. And it's constantly people who surprise you. You'll yeah. see full fucking families of like six people show up to be like, all right, kids, what are we going to go watch? And I'm like, well, the only two movies that are playing right now is The Book Club or Truth or Dare. So take your pick. <laughs> what? Do you want to be bored or do you want your kids to have nightmares tonight? <laughs> Uh, so a, a cool thing does happen though, where Kay and Kuriyama actually stay in the theater after everyone is filtered out and they're the only ones still left in their seats. And, uh, so Kay is quiet and eventually Kuriyama just asks her, Hey, what's wrong? And she says the actor in the main role wasn't acting, was she? She wasn't trying to express anything, but you know, even so, even though you couldn't see her face, you could tell what she was feeling. And she recalls a conversation that she, you know, conversations that she's had with people, about stuff like that and uh, you know the stuff about you know oh to fall in love with the director who's in love with you is the ultimate actor's dream and a conversation with, with Arya so which is like you know when do we want to introduce something to someone when you want other people to enjoy something you love and she says i think this movie was like that kind of love letter so she's a lucky actor and i'm glad i got to experience this movie today so kuriyama's like hmm okay and uh, he says that he's relieved that she didn't hate the movie uh because even if taste is subjective uh i'm glad you don't hate it because i want to make a movie with you in it. <laughs> so makes sense you know so she asks him flat out hey when are we gonna make a movie together and uh he explains well i made this movie 15 years ago and nobody in japan really watched it but for some reason, people overseas liked it. It is literally the inverse of big in Japan, you know. Uh, and he says, that was the best I could do back then. It was all I could do just to depict one woman's beauty, but it's different now. And I know more now. And my current vision is to not make a movie I want to make, but make a movie I have to make. But we're not ready yet. I'm not. And you're not. We're close, though. It's not enough to be an actor who's popular with the urban youth, with their hippin' and their hoppin' and their, I don't know. It, it's always weird when I hear the ter the term urban youth used. <laughs> yeah, well, it has a very different connotation, I think, it in America. It does, I know. He's talking about trendy young people yeah. in Japan, basically. But he explains, I need to have an actor 
who even old grannies and grandpas out in the sticks know. So literally he wants if you've been, you know, sleeping under a rock for the past 10 years, he wants you to know who Kay is before he'll put her in his movie and he's ready to make it. So we cut over to that meeting uh, between people who are trying to produce the drama show thing. And they're going over uh, various people who they could put in the lead role. Kay is one of four, along with several others that we get the lowdown on. But I'm not going to go through their profiles or anything like that. And so they're like, all right. So uh, someone with shows up whose face we don't see. That's an interesting choice. Yeah. I get it. So it's Tamaki, whoever that is. And I believe that Tamaki is female because Tamaki traditionally is a woman's name and they have long hair and what appears to be a feminine face. But I know a manga. You're not going <laughs> to fool me anymore. I will always say they appear to be feminine until I see that goddamn fucking third person pronoun. Anyway, so Tamaki's like, you're choosing an actor to play me as a teen. I don't care if they're all female actresses. You can't fool me, manga. <laughs> <laughs> He's played a man before. Shut up. <laughs> so she looks over, uh, you know, the actresses and uh, she says, oh, so this girl is Kuriyama's new favorite. All right. Make me jealous, newbie. I believe the idea is that this is the woman who was in that movie that we just saw, which that makes works. sense. Why we're not seeing her face. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the chapter ends with Kay going in and she's like, it's been a while since I've actually had to do an audition before. All right, let's do it. So, so I do, I like parts of this chapter a lot. I actually, the very idea of like a movie where you wouldn't see the lead act, uh, performer's face is actually kind of an intriguing concept. It does get me excited. And the only thing that kind of like makes me roll my eyes a little bit is the idea that Kuriyama's like, Oh no, for you to be the lead in my movie, you need to be the most well-known, like ubiquitous, artist around you're like right i mean i guess but usually those two things go hand in hand but uh, you know whatever i guess leonardo dicaprio had to act in titanic before everybody knows his name kind of thing but true true but it's still one of those things i'm like i i guess but you know regardless of that i i do kind of like the premise here um i didn't even pick up on the detail that it was probably the same woman because we didn't see her face so that's that's a nice little pickup you mentioned there so still kind of fun all right, we took we took a while to talk about that chapter, so this was going to be a very short one. Look, I love Spy Family. This chapter was almost literally nothing. It's 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 <laughs> built around it's built around one joke. It's not a bad chapter because it's it's just a very short nothing. We see Henderson preparing for his day. That is it. We see him out for an early morning jog. We see him get dressed up. We see him have coffee, and he's you know going through like doing reports early on in the day. And then it ends with him, you know, going to the office, you know, singing and reading quietly in his office while the nice music plays. And he looks outside and he's like, oh, it's such a beautiful day. And children start to come inside. And he's like, let us commence another day drafting another elegant page of Eden Academy history. And then there's Anya and Damien and their, and their friends all arguing with each other. And he's like, Argh. and that's it. It's a very short chapter. So, yeah, it's a it's nothing less, nothing to say about it, really. Yep. Let's talk about. Collection is ready. Honestly, that kind of makes it worth it. All right. <laughs> Chapter five. I don't want to be executed. So uh, 
last time Kazaha vowed that he was going to, you know, protect people. That's that's his way of the exorcist. And he starts fighting against these yokais and stuff. Uh, Petra is still in her weird ass over tea kettle uh, pose on the ground from where she fell. And uh, she finally gets up and is like, ah, I'm I'm getting her out of here. And uh, because Kazuha calls to her and says, hey, Pyra, get Reno and get get her to safety because her role in this series is to be useless and a damsel. So take her to safety. And she's like, no, I'm running away before the person, the, the one other yokai hunter is going to come and kill me. But one of the Oni pops up out of the ground and as it drills upward, it randomly it, its drill hits her ass and spins her around in a circle. Yeah. You know, physics. This is a cartoon now. So Kaza has trying to fight them. Uh, even with Pyro's powers, he can't actually cut through them. They're that tough. And so he's like, oh, man, this sucks. Uh, and he looks over. Reno is just completely worthless. She's just sitting on the ground in the same post she has been for a long time, frozen. And, and Kaza is like, oh, no, only you're attacking her. I can't reach her. But then Abe, the other yokai hunter, is there and is going, ee! And um, use summons a fucking dragon. It, and it kills all of the Oni, basically. Or it scatters their bits everywhere. And Hazza's like, who are you? And immediately Reno's like, it's Akifuyu Abe. And Abe's posing all kind of cutely, despite the big weird body that he's got. And Reno's like, they're super powerful. They were even at the age of 10, they were super powerful. One of the world's top exorcists. And I have a really massive inferiority complex. So because this person's stronger than me, I'm going to faint now. And she does. Uh, Kaza looks over at Pyra and is like, oh, no, do you know, do they know about us? And Pyra's like, shut the fuck up, you idiots. <laughs> Abe's appearance cracks and they say, Pyra, when you talk like that, it's so scary. And their body splits open, and it's not a giant man at all. It's a cute, question marks, girl <laughs> with twin tails. And Kaza's like, what the fuck? And she says, a girl's made from the words she uses. Okay. So we get a flashback explanation. So it turns out that this is not the first time that Pyra has come into the human world. She uh, apparently has been addicted to the human world for a very long time. And so long ago, she got addicted to fighting video games. Hence her, like, 3DS thing that she had before. Uh, and so she would go to the arcade and stuff, and but she couldn't fit more than her upper body out of the world, whatever. So she would, you know, stick her out of the ground and people would see her and they'd be like, ah, the monster, and they'd run away. But, you know, she just wanted to fucking play her video games. So she would hang out in the fucking arcade. But one day, this random twin-tailed girl showed up. And she's like, oh, um, my friend just left here crying because of you. Uh, I want to fight you, too. Let's do this. And whenever her powers manifest, she gets that muscly, hairy man form. And so literally over the course of years, whenever Pyra would manifest in the human world, Abe would show up. And punch her back through her portal. Okay. Uh -huh. So. <laughs> Abe says to Pyra in the present. You're looking very human now. Huh? And Pyra is scared of her. Because 
you know, she's been getting punched by her for years on end. And then Abe says, don't worry, though, that's not why I'm here. And she wraps her arms around Kazuha's neck from behind and puts him in like a chokehold without choking him yet and says, uh, I'm going to execute you because I saw you using the yokai spell. And, you know, you still don't understand everything about how it works. And she points out, like, every time you use it, your hair grows a little bit, which, you know, contrasts with Pyra's hair color changing. So there you go. Uh, and Pyra is like, stop it. And then Abe is like, Bleh, and then takes her muscly form again. And Pyra cowers again. And Abe says, you are an anomaly. Your capacity for spiritual energy is unsurpassed. Your own spiritual energy may be non-existent, but your ability to store it goes beyond that of a normal person. In other words, you're like a dam for a dried up lake compared to an average pond size exorcist. Your potential is in a different league. And Kazuha's like, okay. And so in a brief moment where she emerges from her hairy body form, Pyra grabs Kaza and is like, let's fucking run. She's going to try and kill you. Um, but Abe says, I'm not going to kill you, at least not now. I'm going to have you two go into this forest to exercise a strong yokai. And I want you to use the yokai spell to show the Exorcist Federation that you can be useful. Depending on how well you do, I can arrange for you to freely use the spell. And Pyra and Kaza Amelia are like, yes, hooray. Uh, and then guys is like, and then I have to marry Pyra, which he's upset about because he was very on board with the idea before, but I don't know. It's like it, this would erase the problem, the main problem that he has with marrying her. So I don't fucking know. It, I guess because he can't just perv on random women if he's, you know, held down to just one person. Anyway, yeah, I don't quite say Abe says, if you try and escape, I will split your head open. And Kazami, when you finally possess Pyra's power, think about what you should do. And Kazuha says, oh, what an exorcist should do. And Abe says, you became an exorcist to protect others, which is cheesy, but also cool. And so, but I'm talking about things beyond that. And uh, they're going after an S-rank yokai, Shuten Doji, whom Pyra uh, proclaims is her BFF. So... This is actually not a bad chapter overall uh, from what we've seen thus far of Bone Collection. It has some st stupid moments in it, but it's kind of nice to see a little bit of here is the plot slowly but surely emerging. <laughs> if you say so, <laughs> I, I saw people saying they really like this chapter. I was like, this chapter was death three, but all right. I mean, I guess it's not a like obnoxiously bad but this was a really boring chapter it felt like uh, it doesn't have the well that was hideously awful moments yeah. of like the first two chapters um i mean i agree that like the first time i read through this i was just kind of like yeah whatever um but it's nice to see a character introduced who's like hey listen here is like your goal and what you're actually working towards and i'm a reasonable character and my only weirdness is the fact that I take a weird form when I use my powers and, and also in order to intimidate people. By the way, I, I'm wearing a I, I, I'm wearing a thong underneath uh, this hairy form outfit yeah. and only underneath this hairy form outfit or something like that. So. All right. Mashal. Let's do it. Punch, 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 punch. We don't need a, we don't need a catchphrase for every single. Every one of them gets it now. Chapter 17, Mash Van Dead and the Puppet Master. Last time, Mash had... 
ask the puppet guy, hey, you know you're talking to a doll, right? And the guy was like, thanks for bringing that to my attention. <laughs> and Mesh, like a, the good boy he is, says, you're welcome. <laughs> He's so sweet. So they kind of just have a little talk about in this one because they... Uh, the doll guy recognizes who Mash is, and he's like, hey, why do you want to be a visionary? And Mash says, I want to live a trouble-free life with my family. And the puppet master says, well, that's beautiful, but you are misguided. The divine visionaries are the arsons of our world, and they are the vessel of God's divinity. And you lack the male necessary to be a creator deity. And so Mash says, all right, well, what would you do? And he says, I would return this world to its rightful form. Humanity flourished because we tirelessly pillaged from those weaker than us. But look at society now. You know, socially progressive, basically. It should there should be capitalism and be and be meritocracy and all that stuff. Everyone has shut their eyes to reality. We are beasts by nature. And we the weak exist to be taken advantage of until they're weeded out. The superior must prosper prosper. That's nature. And Mash says, All right. So what you're saying is you want to live a trouble-free life too. <laughs> and everyone's like, and everyone's like, what? No, <laughs> not what I was getting at at all. The puppet master says, "How dare you mock me, man?" It's like, no, I didn't intend any mockery or offense by that. Oh, then I will allow you to go if you give me your gold coins. <laughs> He's actually being a little bit reasonable. But Mash says, "Uh, no." So. He six, you know, puppets after Mash yeah. and Mash. Hurricane the Ramak. <laughs> Actually, no, that's a Frankensteiner. He spikes it into the ground. It's a Frankensteiner. So, no hesitation. Oh, and it poofs back into the uh, the guy, the Bolt Browse guy before. So. There you go. The spell can be actually fairly easily uh, counteracted. Yeah, you just gotta spike them into the top of their head. Yeah, anyone can do that, right, yeah. Mash? <laughs> so. Uh. Puppet Master just summons another one. It's got like a jester cap and it's got like six arms and immediately grabs all four of Mash's limbs and then uses one of his extra hands to grab uh, Mash's golden coin and then flicks it over to the Puppet Master and chucks Mash into the wall. The Puppet Master says, I will put this coin to good use. And Mash uh, accidentally trods on the Bolt Browse guy and he's like, huh, oh, I, I almost crushed someone. And he just kind of picks him up and puts him across his shoulders and says, I'm going to take him to the nurse's office. And the puppet master says, so you're giving up your coin? And Mash says, no, but this is higher priority. And besides, it doesn't matter how strong you are. I'm not going to lose. It's like, oh, Mash, you're so cool sometimes. Yeah. So he leaves. And the puppet master's like, what the, how can he be so confident? Is he just a fool? And he's like, wait a minute, something's not right here. And he looks at his puppet and he realizes, wait a minute, it's missing a button. And he looks down into his hand and it's the button missing from his puppet. And one of the other uh, mages on the sidelines is like, I watched it happen, but I don't believe it. The puppet grabbed the coin. Then the mushroom head reached up with his mouth and ripped off the button in his teeth, spit it out with incredible speed. It hit the coin out of midair and he took in the coin by sucking it up with the power of his lungs. He's a fucking vacuum cleaner, man. He's amazing. And the twin-tailed mage is, you know, recapping this is like, I didn't see that, right? 
Puppet Master just says, very clever, as out in the hallway, Mash is like, all right, that was close, and he spits the coin back into his hand. And he's like, what is this guy doing on the floor anyway? He's passed out. I better go do it. You put him there, Mash! You spiked him into the ground! I also like that he does not seem to recognize it's the guy he just interacted with, like, yesterday. Well, I mean, he didn't have cream puffs with him, so of course he doesn't remember. That's true. Uh, this is a very fun chapter. Mash looks so cool. I, I always do have a soft spot for the heroes who are able to like, like lift up their out, like their former enemies, and help them out. Like, I mean, who knows if this means that guy's going to become an ally or anything? But I do like that. Mash picks him up and is like, "I'm going to get this guy to safety." It's a very heroic thing to do. And I, it's just, it's the silliness of it that Mash somehow managed to switch his coin with a button, like, in a tenth of a second, essentially. I mean, I don't have quite as much of a soft spot for the uh, victory by friendship uh, kind of thing. You know, like, I've beaten you, now we're friends sort of thing that a lot of shown in action stories do. But I do appreciate when Mash... Like, because it feels like something Mash is doing yeah. as opposed to something a shonen hero does. Like, yeah. when Shiki does it, it's just like, we get it. Friendship. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we're on to Mission Yozakura family. Mission 37, Goliath's Walk. That's right. It's a character about the, the family dog. Mission Yozakura family, Nick. I mean, I guess that's very appropriate for the, for the first page of this, where <laughs> Tayo is doing a bunch of spy poses, and this is how he guards Mutsumi while they're out for a walk with Goliath, I guess. Like, it's weird because in one page he's doing all these, you know, completely pointless poses and stuff like that. And then it goes to him on the next page and he's like paranoid with worry for Mutsumi. He's like, it's dangerous. Gotta protect her. So I don't know. Prick an emotion, dude. Are you, you know, showing off to show off and being goofy? Or are you legitimately worried for your wife's safety? So whatever. Uh, but Mutsumi points out, like, I mean, everyone wants to capture me. I've had wine posters out for me for a long time. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and she points to some that are like, yeah, there's somewhere I'm wanted alive. Somewhere I'm wanted dead or alive. Somewhere just, you know, just her head, just her eyeball. So, you know, but they do that while understanding the risks that go with making enemies with the Yozakura family. So, you know, rest Easy, you don't have to worry too much about it. Oh, that did that didn't work at all. And Dio's really, really upset about all the people who post the bounties and stuff like that. But uh, Mutsumi says, "Listen, we've got to go out for this walk for two reasons. One is that you know, as the head of the Ozakura family, I have to show I'm not afraid. Uh, and second, um, we've got to take Goliath for a walk. So, and we've really got to let him stretch his legs, literally, because um, tiny little cutesy Goliath turns into this." bigger than life hound like this is like the size of three men basically yeah he becomes a pokemon basically he becomes a mighty ina almost literally uh and she lets goliath really go f just full blast and you know she's clinging to his neck while she's riding on his back Tayo has the legion is getting dragged behind him and we just see you know goliath is com is comically fast as Tayo's getting dragged through shit behind him uh, Taya got, gets beaten up. Amazing. Five hours later, after we've cut over to see that there is a weird psycho clown assassin guy trying to target Mutsumi for whatever reason, uh, a couple of kids come up to Goliath because they're like, cool, a doggy. 
Uh, but Goliath senses danger because one of the children has a balloon that has a little uh, d- device attached to it. And there's an explosion and Goliath protects Mutsumi and, and the children. Uh, but then it pans back and shows that Tayo protected Goliath because he's a selfless idiot like that. Um, so uh, because of that, Mutsumi gets picked, pissed off because she's like, they, they attacked my Tayo. Goliath, Go! And Goliath sniffs and senses where the balloon came from blocks and blocks away in an instant, because this is how dogs work, Chris. I know that you've had dog that you've owned dogs and I haven't, but this is how dogs work mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. I, I can remember sometimes, uh, you know what? I, I say that it is almost supernatural that Scotia can heal. He can hear the mailman. I believe 17 miles away. <laughs> Meanwhile, if like there's a mouse that's just been fucking with our house for like six months now, she has yet to find it. Just can't. It's it's or she doesn't care. But those things that are specific, they're, they're, they're superheroes when it comes to that. <laughs> they're just ninjas. Uh, while Goliath goes, more notifications. Okay, I get it. Go. That's that's the dog alarm. It's going off. Yeah, We're talking about dogs. The, that's Shion's device that they're using to reverse track the device where the yeah spy equipment they got from Shion. Anyway, so Musumi's face appears like on the psycho clown's uh, computer. And he's like, "Oh, so you were able to find my computer?" And Musumi's like, "Well, yeah, it was really easy to do that." I mean, it was really a really crude assassination attempt. Oh, well, you should you talk big for a figurehead. Just stay obedient and coop up in your mansion. And most of me is like, well, it is true that I'm a figurehead with no strength. But if you dare hurt one of my family, I'll never forgive you. And Goliath bursts through the door. And Mutsumi says, as Goliath is bearing down on the clown, take this to heart. This is what happens when you run afoul of my family. And yeah. Goliath Maul is a clown. Uh, Tayo is briefly worried that they sent the dog by himself, but Goliath immediately shows up after he does that. And he tosses them both onto his back, and it's a little bit of a sign that, yeah, Goliath has bonded with Tayo on this trip as well. And so they ride off together, and uh, the psycho clown is like, yeah, it's, it's scary. I've been arrested now. Yeah, I think they're talking to that the detective guy from way early on in the series. Mm-hmm. The guy uh, who you thought we thought was going to be more important and then more characters. What are you talking about? Movies. He showed up right there. He's such an important <laughs> character. There was a moment as I read this chapter, I was like, huh. Like, especially once they introduced the con, I was like, oh, man, it reminds me. I was like, what was that series that had, like, early on, it was a bunch of characters they were interacting with, like, the, the bombing guy on Twitter and it was really funny. And I like by the end of the church, I was like, oh, my God, that was this manga. That was the same one. <laughs> <laughs> this series has never. It is, that was a peak that this series has never reached again. That was like chapter two. That was like chapter yeah. two, I think. Uh, and it's still going. All right. Let's move on to Time Paradox Ghost Rider. Ding! Your plagiarism is ready. <laughs> See, that's every week. That's what you do. I actually really want to keep that. <laughs> so Tepe has been confronted by Itsuke Aino, whom he knows is the author of the future version of White Knight. And he's like, 
I mean, there's no way, right? No, I mean, there's no way she could have like conceived of White Knight ten years before it was published, right? And Itsuki uh, pulls out uh, a kind of like draft of her manga that she's like trying to submit for the Tezuka Award, and she says, "Hey, can you read this?" And Tepe reads through it, and he's like, "Oh my God, it's the storyboard for White Knight, and it's." totally different from the serialized version it's not as good but the title's you know identical the setting's identical and he starts to freak out just at the end of the last chapter and she's like what what are you doing and so tepe's like oh my god oh my god someone had already thought of this story what am i gonna do oh my god i'm not I, i'm a criminal I, uh, even with the pair the time paradox thing uh, 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 and itsuki starts to say like wait a minute are you saying? And Tepe's like, oh, no. Oh, no. Is she reading my mind? And Itsuki says, in that case, and she pulls out a freaking pen, like a proper, you know, drawing artistic pen. And uh, we get actually a little bit of a like, this type of pen has an attachable nib. It's like, oh, I'm learning something about artistic instruments. Nice. It's got a sharp point is the, po- is the point, though. That's like a tip made of metal and it's sharp. Yeah. Uh, and she says, do you know what this is? And Tepe's like, oh, my God, she's going to murder me. And he starts to run away. And he's like, no, no. And Itsuki's like, why are you running? And she, and she Tepe says, if you kill me, your path to being a mangaka will be closed off forever. So don't be a murderer. And uh, he trips and she pins him to the ground and starts to plunge the pen towards his eye. And she's like, why are you running away? You're trying to stab him in the eye. What are you doing? I mean, to be fair, it should be fairly obvious why he's trying to run away. So uh, he says, like, listen, if you want me to die, I'll I'll kill myself. I don't want to rob you of your future. And she says, so you really did spy on me when I was making the storyboards. You stuck into my room while I was sleeping. And he's like, no, no, that's not why. And she's like, so you're saying it's a coincidence? He's a time machine. Lightning struck my apartment and made my microwave and fridge into a time machine. <laughs> you got to admire that he actually tells it the, the truth. I mean, it goes the exact way you assume it would, but. Right. She says she's, he's an idiot for thinking that she would believe such an absurd lie. Um, but she says, I mean, look, I'm a shut in. I'm just in my room all day. I keep my room locked. I live all the way out in the middle of nowhere. So, uh, and she's kind of like draws the conclusion. Like, I guess there's no way that he actually spied on me because then she says, Hey, listen, is there anything that only you can draw? Because if we share the same values as people, then I think it could be possible that we just accidentally drew the same things. So tell me, is there only one, is there something only you can draw that no one else can? Or is there nothing you have to say? Are you just an empty human being? And of course, this is the thing that was haunting Tepe in the first two chapters. This idea that he had nothing that only he had, that he only he could do creatively. And he remembers being told this by, you know, various people around him. And something he's been worried about that, how he... Even when he was a little kid, all the characters he drew were just kind of ripoffs of popular series that he read, even if it did entertain people. It was just stuff that, you know, other people would have seen through the lack of originality and stuff. It's not unique. And that's why, you know, he only won the runner up in the monthly contest. And so he realizes that 
I really don't have anything unique that I can offer as a mangaka. I am just an empty person side. I'm not meant to reach the other side. I'll never achieve that. So it's a you know, brings him back to the present and says, so why aren't you saying anything? And she begs him to answer her. And he eventually says, all right, come on, you know, say something that only a genius would say. Isn't there, isn't this where a ghostwriter is supposed to shine? And he just gives up and he throws his arms up and he says, nothing. I can't draw anything unique. I am empty. I, but I believe that even an empty person can create good manga. And I just want a lot of people to enjoy what I draw. I'm sorry if that's the only answer I can give you. Just please don't become a murderer. And Itsuki's face completely transforms into this big, happy smile. And she says, me too. I've got nothing at all. I've always been clumsy and boring. I've never had any good qualities. But even being empty inside, I want to make people happy. And that's why I started drawing manga. And whenever I drew at school, they would tease me and tear up my work. So I drew at home and I became a shut-in. Everyone, I want everyone to join my manga, but even the bullies, even the people who picked on me for doing it, I want them to know that there are things way better than just bullying people. And I'm sure they only did that because they were bored. And then she stands up off of him and she holds out her pen and she's she like strikes like a Luffy pose, basically. Like if you remember, like in the very beginning of One Piece, when Kid Luffy like held out a little sword, he's like, "I'm gonna be a pirate." You know? Oh yeah. She's holding out her hand cocked on one hip and then her other hand held out while holding her pen. And she says, my dream is to entertain all of humanity with mangas too, as well. And so, you know, she's like, that's why I have the idea of White Knight is they fight ghosts in the dark of night because that's something that everyone's afraid of. And she's basically says, I'm sick of getting that advice of like, everything's got to be original. Everything's got to be unique. Put your own message into it. Who cares as long as people like it? Don't you agree with me, Sasaki Sensei? And he's like, I guess I do. And so she declares, I get it. So we're two of a kind, and that's how we came up with the same idea. Why did you run away from me before this? <laughs> and he's like, I thought you were going to stab me. <laughs> and she says, I thought if you got a very close look at how much I used it, you would see how serious I am about <laughs> trying manga. He's like, what the fuck? Why are you doing that? Uh, but So she says, you know, but you're a pro. You're, you know, published professionally. So I respect, you know, how you're, you're inside into these things. And I'm just an amateur. And Tepe is like, ah, 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 hypocrisy. I feel bad. And so she declares war on him, basically. She says, I'm not going down without a fight. I'm going to draw manga one quintillion times better than White Knight and show that I'm greater than you. So I'll leave White Knight in your hands. Good luck. The fight is on. I'll get you someday. And she runs off immediately, presumably to immediately start drawing. Uh So Tebe is like shocked by this. And then, you know, we get a narration saying, regardless of how Tebe felt about it, his weekly Shonen Jump series was set to begin. So after reading this chapter um, the first time, I had a, a kind of gut reaction to the way things went down because it sort of seemed to, A, do a bunch of things with Itsuki's character that I wasn't sure how I felt about, and B, kind of absolve a lot of what Tepe's, a lot of Tepe's guilt by kind of giving him permission to keep on doing this in a way that probably shouldn't. Um but I didn't really know how I felt about this chapter, and I felt it was probably the weakest of the threes thus far. Yeah. So, 
After three chapters, Chris, mm-hmm. we discuss whether we're going to pick up series for weekly sh- for the weekly, weekly manga recap. Rather. Mm-hmm. Yep. Assuming there's no veto in the bank. Um, <laughs> that would happen. You ran down the entrance ramp. <laughs> I was like, no, no more bone clutch. And you walloped me in the face with it and pinned me. <laughs> oh, just me in the back. I'm here to show the world. I'm here to show the world. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> you're like posing the belt and i'm like why are you have a belt <laughs> <laughs> or i just show up like damien sandow and i get clowned by john cena <laughs> <laughs> you imagine i'm like, like no no bone collection <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm the damien sandow of the podcast now no i just i just like call like teching in or something like that to be to be john cena again and interfere in the match <laughs> so i can roll you up <laughs> like, no no Oh no, I look like a scrub now! Oh, <laughs> the top of the card! They're gonna make me wear a weir- weird crown! Oh, I'm like a fucking idiot now! Wrestling jokes. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so I wasn't sure how I was going to basically vote after reading this chapter on whether we were going to keep on doing this. So I posted a poll on Twitter uh, less than an hour before we started recording, and the results of that poll were four times as many people want. Oop, we got some uh, connection there. So, so I think uh, what Nick was saying. I was saying that. Yeah, sorry. Uh, so I think Nick's saying that. Yeah, you got it. You got four times the amount of votes for keeping in the recap. Yes. So I'm going to go ahead and bow to that. People seem to want us to keep on covering it. After seeing that, I do think that even if the series takes directions we don't like, it's going to, I think, lead to some discussions that other series wouldn't, at least. So I think it might be worth keeping around. Well, that's a shame because I don't want it, Nick. And I'm cashing in my secret veto with the God. bank. <laughs> <laughs> no one took the briefcase away from me after I cashed in I just kept one. it. I found a bunch of these out in the woods. Can you imagine if, like, after someone catches him, that they, they then walk over to the timekeeper who's just collected the briefcase and, boom, and run off with? Uh, no, I do. I, I, I want to keep reading this series. Uh, I do agree. I think this was the the least interesting chapter of the three that we got. Uh, this is the only one that at the end of it, I was kind of like, I don't really know if I'm super looking forward to what this suggests. I do like that. Um, and I, I blank it on her name right now, but the, the female lead, I do like that they give her this very big personality, and I do like that there's a lot of passion behind it. I, I just think it's kind of weird to have glossed over what feels like the central conflict here. Mm. But I'm still, like, I, the art in the series is still fantastic. I still think there's a ton of really strong passion behind it that's very tangible, and I, I would like to see more. So, uh, as you said, it, even if the series gets bad, I feel like there's still interesting conversations to have out of it where there isn't really in something stupid like a, a bone collection or something like that, uh, which is in there anyway. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're a fucking troll. Um, <laughs> Me? I, <laughs> no, not you. It's not like we had a. It's not like you t- did a special one time called Troll Trivia. <laughs> Me? No. Um. I also will say before we move on that I do appreciate the explorations of inadequacy in this. It makes the characters uncomfortably relatable at points. Yeah. So, yeah. 
All right, Nick gets next gets to take a little break now. <laughs> yeah, so. let's talk about We Never Learn, Chapter One Sixty, Sleeping Beauty of the Literary Forest, Part One. Arrrr! Hubba hubba. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the We Never Learn. <laughs> I really wanted to be. Uh, I turn into a cartoon wolf, and my eyes turn into hearts that shoot out. <laughs> and then the end of a spring sound effect, and then I roll my tongue up back into my mouth. <laughs> I, um, I, I, I started to wolf whistle there and I was like, I can't wolf whistle. Never mind. <laughs> Every time I do it, I just kind of like imitate it. So, so right. we, we're starting the Fumino route. And shockingly, this one actually seems to be taking a very different trajectory than the last one. So we open up. It's that uh, little piece where uh, Fumino and Uega spent a night out in the park and uh, Firmino was like laying her head on his shoulder and he's like, oh, she must have been asleep. And she kind of very bluntly says, I'm awake. And she thinks about how, you know, this is her tutor who's helping her. And she helped him kind of reconnect with her father. Uh, but then thinks, but my friends are in love with him. So I, I can't do this. But if I don't, you know, like I, she's very conflicted with her feelings. Right. She's so, like, I feel this way. I need to step back from that. Otherwise, I'm never going to be able to separate myself from him, essentially. But she thinks how she was the firework girl because it's her route. So that's now a very big difference maker for her. So she's like, hey, on the day of the festival, you know, why did you hold my hand? And, you know, she's saying that she's thinking like, mom, you know, what do I what do I do? The person that this shouldn't have happened with you know but you, you i've fallen in love with you uega what do i do and she just keeps repeating i love you i love you i love you over and over in her mind and uh then we get some weird cheesecake it's kind of weird um but anyway the she has a dream about how uega would be her butler and how it would be so nice because he would have like biscuits and shit ready for her in the morning which is the actual breakfast i believe teenagers really love they love biscuits and shit um, but we find I out. I think that there's, I don't think there's biscuits of either type on that plate, but whatever. <laughs> it kind of looks like it. Uh, so the divergence here is actually backwards. We're actually going back to before the final exams took place. And it's the day of the final exam when Diego would be walking in, see the dog and fall down the staircase and, and hurt himself. But in this version, he's walking alongside Fumino. So when he goes to grab the dog and then starts to fall down the staircase, Fumino grabs onto him and basically pulls him to safety and instead falls herself and actually like fully breaks her leg in the process. It's actually in a way that makes sense because she like in an instant grabs and kind of like whips her back. But the momentum teeters her over. Yeah. So they basically explained that she did still manage to actually take her exam. Uwega basically carried her the whole way there, and everybody was very concerned. Because he's low-key ripped. <laughs> yeah, he's fucking stacked and no one talks about it. Uh, but she's like, oh, you know what? I, I gotta figure this out. We still have the second exam. So after breakfast, uh, I've gotta give this my full and uh, you know, focused concentration. And Uwega's downstairs making breakfast. And she's like, 
Man, what the fuck's happening? <laughs> like, first she gets into it. She's just like, oh, wow, I haven't had this kind of bread in a while. She's actually, like, studying her notes. And she's just like, oh, yeah, I love some eggs with the funny. Wait, what the fuck are you doing in my house? And it's a very Fumino way of addressing the situation. Yeah. So. And you wake up. Actually, her dad basically explains, like, look, you wake up, like, asked for permission. And I tried to say no. But he just won't stop asking. So to make amends for causing the injury that you're in, he wants to take care of you for a little while. And of course, she's like, oh, my God, what are you doing? This is what about your studies? He's like, don't worry about that. I'm here for you. And she's like, anyway, I can't say no uh, to, to to all that. I'm off to the university now. Uh, no funny I, I business. I think he's talking about Yuiga's mother. Yeah, so I think that's like, Yeah, is. I mean, I'm not going to get in the way of this because his mom would just insist on it. <laughs> yeah, but I do like how he's like, no funny business. All right, bye. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, for me, it was just like, oh, you know what? You don't have to do this. Uh, it's my fault for, I'm just so clumsy. I'm just the clumsy person. You shouldn't have to worry about it. But in her mind, she's thinking, I'm kind of really happy right now, but I still feel really bad for Ruka and Ogata. So, uh, you know what? She's just to say, I'm going to power through it. And as she tries to stand up on her own power, she slips. Iwaga catches her. He says, hey, until your leg's better, I'm going to stick by you and support you. And Firmino just blushes and says, like, after our panel sounds, okay. And she's like, ah, shit, what did I agree to? <laughs> and that's that's basically where the chapter ends. This is a far more promising start uh -huh. than anything we got in the Ogata ending, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, because like I kept we kept on kind of hammering on in the previous one. That arc didn't feel like it was actually about Ogata and Yuiga. This one immediately is like it is all about Fumino and Yuiga. And it's uh, a, di a different approach than the other two because the divergence happens at a different point. Um, and I like how the twist is like the reason why Aruka and Yuiga aren't getting together is because one of the central things that kind of helped to pull them together when Uruka did so much to help Yuiga to get to exams is turned on its head. Yeah. And it forced Fumino to more confront the feeling she was feeling more directly. And that makes perfect sense. Yeah. And also just as a chapter, it's a nice thing. You know, there's some nice little funny moments and there are some cool little emotional connections that happen in it. So, yeah, I mean, it's also just the fact that Firmino is a better, more interesting, like love interest to follow because so much of it is her own guilt over the fact that she has these feelings for Uega while she also wants to support her friends who have feelings for him, too. So it's kind of really going to be fun to see that play out as opposed to Ogata being like. I don't understand love because I'm a robot. And you're like, this is just a game. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, this is a much more tangible. Just kidding, I love you. <laughs> yeah. Th there's, there's a lot more here. Granted chapter one of presumably nine, the next chapter could very much be like, well, uh, you friends are heavily involved in this storyline too. And they need to have their problem solved in this timeline or something like that. You're just like, all right. Move on to Dr. Stone. It's time to get stoned! Z equals 152, Doctor versus Doctor. Uh, so we see Kohaku and Chrome kind of spying on the other kingdom, basically, from a distance. And uh, they realize, like, oh, Gen must have, like, infiltrated and talked his way inside. 
uh, Kohaku. I love this. This should just be like Gen's permanent title from now on. She refers to him as the world's most trustworthy liar. Yeah. It's like that's a beautiful goddamn title to give someone. So, um, is it better than the legendary betrayer star scream? That's pretty great too. (laughs) (laughs) I've always been like, that's his title. What does anyone work with him? I'm the legendary betrayer. Let me work for you. I shall make, I shall make you my second in command. <laughs> if anything should happen to me, you will take over. Now let me turn my back to you. <laughs> I've made it so it's absolutely of the utmost importance that something bad should happen to me and all the power would thus fall to you. Scheming against me is absolutely the right career move to make. Two hours later. Star Scream betrayed me, so I had him killed. Yeah, I saw that coming. Who won the pool? But because his spark is immortal, he'll be back eventually. Ah, oh, I love Star Scream. So Chrome contacts uh the the Perseus and he says, Hey, there's been a change of plans and Seiko's immediately like, hey, that, that. don't don't talk anymore over the radio. Because and everyone on the Perseus realizes that the enemy scientists could be intercepting the signal. So they've got to be very careful when talking over the radio. So Chrome starts to use much more nebulous uh, terms and leave it to the interpretation on the other end to uh, realize what's going on. So Chrome just reports like, "Uh, it's just me and uh, me and the woman, just us two. And so we immediately, you know, all the thinky people on the other end are figuring out what's happened. Senku's like, all right, disconnected. (laughs) (laughs) Boop. (laughs) <laughs> we're going through a tunnel <laughs> so uh they're like all right here we go you know science uh that's been our main advantage so far but now we've actually got to take on someone who might actually have more advanced science than us here we go but like was like let's get excited at that moment the phone rings and so magma answers and he's like chrome you big goof you aren't supposed to call right back and oh no it's dr zeno uh, he's got in touch with them and he's got his like podcast set up all set. He's got a very comfortable <laughs> chair and he's got a headset. <laughs> uh, so he says, I take it. This is your preferred frequency for communication. And everyone, of course, is shocked when they hear this. Uh, Magma starts to talk. And so immediately Nikki like drags him away from it. He's like, shut up. Um, as, as Dr. Zeno says, I apologize for my poor Japanese language skills, but alas, this conversation is unfit for troglodytes. So I must ask to speak to your science team leader. Put on Dr. Taiju for me. <laughs> and so, of course, everyone's like, wait, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> so Sanka realizes, ah, okay, okay. And they're like, all right. So again, wanted to have someone who's sturdy. And they realize what everything he did at the end of the last chapter. Taiju puts on his Senku cosplay, um, which includes a disgusting mustache. Like, take that off, dude. It, It looks weird. So... He's like, hey, Taiju here. That's Dr. Taiju to you. You're Dr. Zeno, huh? Pay attention because I got something to say. Shooting people with machine guns without warning isn't nice. He's not wrong. He's very, his finger on the pulse of today. Yeah. So, um, Zeno says, 
My soldier Stanley thought the best greeting would be a demonstration of the chasm that lies between our respective levels of science. As a fellow science pro yourself, you must surely realize we already possess a Haber Bosch plant. And Tiger's like, eh, a Haber thingy, awesome! <laughs> Immediately over his head. So uh, Senku explains to the other people more quietly. That's a factory that makes ammonia. With just water and air, they could produce unlimited gunpowder and ammunition. And so Taiju kind of passes that along to say, like, ah, so you can fire those machine guns all day long. Is that what you're trying to say? It's like, yes, you understand well, Dr. Taiju. (laughs) So it's like, all right, Taiju, natural actor, apparently. So Zeno says... We are co- a collective of professional adults, nothing like your ragtag band of merry youths playing with science. So I hope you'll surrender at once and serve me. You see, our population is lacking. And so they conclude from that. Uh, so that means that they can't they don't have the special uh, drug revival fluid. They can't just revive whatever they want. And they don't say this over the radio or anything, but Zeno says only those who maintain consciousness while petrified for thousands of years can be revived with a dash of nitric acid. My people are the select few who achieved that, but you are several dozen, and I can scarcely believe all those youths are mental champions of the highest order. How did you revive the statues? And Taiju's like, (laughs) (laughs) No! So Ryusu immediately is like, no, don't tell them that. That's our advantage, you know. And they also shot at us. Why would we tell them anything helpful? So Taiju just says, you're not getting it. Request denied. And uh, so Zeno's like, negotiations have broken down. What a shame. Send in a bombing run. And another plane is flying over the Perseus again. And so, yeah, they've got another fucking plane at their disposal. So... Uh, Sukasa realizes, well, it's just scouting this time. So they're not going to try another low altitude run that still allows to fight them. So we're going to need to use that plane that we just captured. So, uh, the, Kaseki is like, I'll get it fixed up. Let's do this. Uh, and Uki is like, but how is our plane going to take off? We don't have an airstrip. And Suku's like, we'll just make one then. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> pretty easy. And he says, we're going to remodel the Perseus into an aircraft carrier, which, all right. <laughs> I don't know how that's going to work, but okay. <laughs> that's the chapter. Yeah. Uh, there's, yeah, there's, there's, there's a little bits in this chapter. Yeah, this there's, nice. there's not a ton to it, but it is very fun. I do really like Taiju occasionally being a doofus. But also having those little moments of like, yeah, I know what's up in this moment. Because yeah. this is the cool thing for me to say right now. So. <sighs> All right. So, Chainsaw Man. <laughs> so, the last several months of Chainsaw Man have been action, 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 action. Um, horror, horror and action. And this one, which begins with a color page of Denji and uh, Makima posing together uh, in a kind of sultry way. Uh, um, <laughs> so apparently there's emotions in this series now. Yeah. <laughs> Before we get in, 
before we get into them, sorry. Uh, character popularity poll. Uh, there are some popular ass girls in this series, apparently. <laughs> it's amusing. A lot of them are very popular. A lot of them are dead. <laughs> A lot of them are dead, yes. Also, one of them is Kobeni's car. Amazing. Kopeni was just aged out by her car. <laughs> to be honest, the car is far more memorable. Well, technically, and I I don't want to blame Fujimoto. It is actually Power's car. So, man, let's get that correct. Let's correct it. <laughs> she decided it was hers. Well, actually, no, it's smashed up, so I guess it's back to be Kopeni's car. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, uh, Power is the most popular, Makima is the second most popular, uh, I think that there were some surprising developments in the, uh, English language popularity poll, like the Darkness Devil was way up there, for example, uh, but, like, Power and Makima Rays were all very popular, uh, Denji, I think, was, like, number three tops in either poll, also, Pochita is a surprisingly popular character, but then again, he's the cute animal mascot, so I guess. That yeah, but also good. only existed in the first chapter and... And whatever yeah. delusional dreams Denji's had. So, also, Yoshida was number 10 in the Japanese language, in the Japanese results, which... Who? Okay. Uh, he's one of the two bodyguards who survived. Oh, was he uh, the octopus guy? Yes. Ah. So... I uh, sure. Maybe he's just that handsome. Aki was number three, so there you go. So, so we start things off in uh, Denji and Aki and Powers' apartment, and Aki uh, Denji's like waking up. Powers like all huddled up next to him and is using his chest as a pillow. Uh, and Aki greets them, and Denji reports, "Powers been screaming all through the night, so I couldn't sleep." We get a closer look at Aki, and uh, for some reason, um, there, there, there's no arm uh, coming out of his left sleeve. What's going on there? Well, Denji says, it's a good thing one of your arms stuck back on. You can still cook. And Aki's like, yeah, neither arm reattached for Angel, and Violence and Shark are dead, and Kobeni resigned. <laughs> Which, the last bit was what really upset me, honestly. Well... It's kind of sad because Kopeni also kind of noted she's like, well, there's only two career paths for me, this organization or prostitution. So I I seriously hope that she comes back into the series because I think she will. I mean, she's I, I love her sad sack put upon character. It's such a nice way of getting some relief from how horrible their lives are. So. It does make and, me sad that 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 beam is is outright gone and the violence uh, devil. I'm like, oh. just as he was, you know, I mean, violence devil. He had enough character, you know, and and I think that he had a nice bond with Kobeni. And you, I do definitely get the feeling that it's because he died that Kobeni resigned, which makes me feel bad. And um, power is just constantly afraid of the darkness devil. <laughs> It, this and, this is a brutal chapter because like you start off by being like oh man Aki lost an arm and you're like Jesus Aki literally cannot go in arc without his life just becoming either shorter or more difficult it is impossible. So here's the one thing in this chapter that I'm kind of holding out hope on because power has like is like so traumatized by the darkness devil that she has like reverted to a child but also she wants to sleep with denji and 
I'm hoping that this is another example of power being power and she's faking it to get something from Denji because I would not put it past her, honestly. <laughs> but honestly, everyone was so fucked up by this fight that I also won't be surprised if she's just legit traumatized right now. It would it would be a pretty big move to kind of establish like the darkness devil was like real fucking shit. Like the, 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 the primal fears don't fuck around with them. Cause it killed half the cast and traumatized the most popular character in the series. So yeah, the most self-confident character yeah. is now broken basically. And she's like clinging on to Denji and she's like, he's watching me until I go back to hell. And like, she's still grabbing on to Denji while he's feeding her. And she's like, it's poison. And he's like, just vegetables. Uh, and then Aki says, man, Ma Makima's strong. I guess she's going on that trip even after what happened. Because, yeah, it's something that Denji keeps, kept on bringing up. The reason he was going through all this was so he could go on that special trip with Makima and get some time with her. And we get a flashback from Denji's perspective of he and Makima eating together. And she said, hey, have you visited Aki in the hospital? And he was like, oh, I was just there. He said he didn't want his hospital food. So I ate it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Denji. You keep on being normal, but only progressing slightly. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Makima's like, I'm impressed that you're that hungry after having your head cut off. And then she's like, you got to eat to live. Uh, and she grabs a bit of food stuck to his lip and she eats it and then she's like indirect and makima says hey should we go ahead and take the trip with just the two of us now and then she's like yeah and then he's like oh wait wait um actually power's like in a really bad state right now and she freaks out when i leave her alone and it seems like she need needs me and Maku says, well you could always leave her at a public safety facility and then she's clearly kind of torn with that so, remember how Power didn't want to go on that fucking trip with Makima? Hmm. Maybe. I really want to believe that Power's just go not going to just stop being Power, honestly. And also, the way that she acts around Denji in this chapter gets insanely creepy at points. So, uh, Aki says in the present of Denji, why didn't you go on the trip with her? And Denji doesn't have an answer. So... They go about their day, just hanging around the apartment, Denji doing dishes and stuff like that. Power comes in on Denji while he's on the fucking toilet, and she's like, check if the darkness devil's at the front door. I'm scared when I go to the bathroom. Ah, Denji, Denji, will you take a bath with me? We're naked now, Denji. Ah, oh, he's behind me. There's something behind me. Oh, now we're getting close in the bathtub. And Denji's like, this doesn't feel naughty at all. What's up with that? And then she clings to him. And then Tenji just goes, I wouldn't want to go on the trip with Makima. And Power's like, I'm scared of naughty things. And then he has to dress her because she reverted to a child. Because if there's one thing that Elf and Lead established, it's that adult women with the minds of children being naked is hot. It's so hot, you guys. Uh -huh. Then Aki's like, all right, we'll, we'll like sleep in shifts. Um, call for me if power starts thrashing around and they, the two of them sleep in the same bed. Power's still like, don't hate me. Why? Because it's my fault. You can go on your trip. And <laughs> then she's like, 
the first thing you should be apologizing for is hitting me with a stolen fucking car. <laughs> and Power's like, I didn't do that. <laughs> it wasn't my car. So Power says, all right, how about this? I'll make it up to you by letting you drink my blood. And then he's like, I don't want to, though. And she's like, but you'll hate me then. And then he's like, that doesn't make any sense. And she starts crying, fine, fine, I'll drink it. Oh, boy, I'm so lucky that I get to drink it. And things get sexual again and uncomfortable as she wraps herself around him. And then Denji starts talking to Pochita in his mind while they're nibbling each other. And he he says, Pochita, Makima told me that naughty things feel better the more you know your partner. But even though I know power really well, this doesn't feel hot at all. In fact, it feels weird and like uncomfortably sexual. Yeah. (laughs) So he goes on to say, it probably isn't that you should learn anything and everything there is to know. The same goes for all those assassins who came to kill me. If I'd known their circumstances, learned what kind of people they were, I probably would have felt crappy when they died. There are some things you got to know and some things it's better to stay in the dark about. And he goes to that kind of mental door that someone in Pachita or whatever is staring at him through and says, whatever's behind this door, I don't need to know. And the next panel is up the door and then she's no longer standing in front of it. So this was a very good chapter. Yeah, it was completely unexpected for me, honestly. Yeah, man, it's it felt like some big ramifications came about. There's a small detail that someone else in our Discord pointed out that made me really sad. In that the first time you see uh, Denji and Power sleeping, you can see Meowie is there when she's doing it. Yeah. Meowie's concerned, and Meowie does not sleep with them anymore. So. It's it's very scary for that poor cat, um, but I I do like this. I I, I feel pretty confident we're going to get power back to what it was before, but um, it is curious to see what's going to happen from all this. But I I really I do enjoy that there is that moment from Denji where he had an opportunity to just go on this date with Makima and he chooses not to because he's concerned about power. And yeah, he doesn't uh, really have a way to phrase it. He doesn't know why he's doing it, but you know yeah. it's clearly what was on his mind. And I, I will say that even though I'm thinking like, I'm kind of hoping the power's just fucking with him. I do kind of think that that would also take away from the maturity that Denji shows where he's just so concerned for his friend who needs him that he gives up on something selfish and, yeah. and sacrifices that for their sake. But yeah. All right. There was also, I, I do also just want to really quickly note, there's another one I really liked where he talks about how he would have been sad if he had known any of the other assassins where he's just like, yeah. oh, nice moment sorry well and also making the point of like if i had known them i would have felt bad about having to fucking kill them so it's probably a good thing that i didn't know who they were it's like that's a realistic perspective honestly so the promise neverland oh my leg oh my leg like the spongebob line with the (laughs) my leg (laughs) yeah my leg Chapter 179, Compensation. Phil wakes up first, and he's on the beach on Liberty Island looking out at New York City. Big-ass two-page color spread. It's very cool-looking and cool, nicely drawn. Phil's like, wake up, you little fuckers! And uh, they're like, oh my god, we're in the human world. Hooray! 
Look at everything. Isn't it great, Emma? Emma's not here. <gasps> and you seven, eight, like 18 straight pages of like, where's Emma? Emma's gone. Emma should be here. Where's Emma? Did Emma lie to us? Of course Emma lied to us. It was too good to be true. Oh, hey, the humans are here. They've got cool technology and stuff, and they know about us. Emma, where's Emma? We've got to find Emma. What if she's already dead? No. She's alive. She wouldn't die so easily. Let's go find Emma! Emma's in the snow somewhere, and someone with boots finds her. Yeah. There, There is a note. There is a note. Someone said, it's ending. It is ending. It's going to end. I don't know when, but it's ending, and I cannot fucking wait for it to end. What if this person in boots just shows up, and he's like, Hey, look, it's me, your friend Hugo. I came back from the dead because no consequences. Hooray. <laughs> also, yeah. I just want to reiterate, you did not have to give anything up for that promise. You did not tell anyone about it for some reason. In fact, you got your ear back. We took away all the consequences. <laughs> Here's Isabella. She's cool. Also, we took away your trauma. You forgot it all. Hooray. Yeah. The queen's back, but she's good now. You're friends. <laughs> Louvis just like makes jam for people and is a nice guy. <laughs> Hey, turns out we didn't eat Connie after all. She's been alive the whole time. <laughs> We've never eaten any people. And as a main character now. Look at all that stuff she's getting to do over there. <laughs> Remember about her? She had that passion for sculpting. Remember that big sculpting thing she was all about? She's going to be a great sculptor one day. Promise Neverland read part of the recap is just turning into us constantly dunking on the series because we're so fed up with it at this point. Ah, used to be good. Oh, all right, Black Clover. Black Clover, page 252. Oh, that's the Black Clover sound effect. I had to give it one. Okay. I like it. Is that like, uh, like, um, whoa, I'm trying to think what that sound is. Uh, it's halfway between like as like Zoidberg being terrified in uh, Futurama and the Jetsons space uh, okay. crap sound effect. Okay. Yeah. Which I also do. Which I also do. It goes more like. Okay. Jetsons space. All right. I like that. Two things I very much always closely associate with Black Clover. Yeah. Uh, the Jetsons and <laughs> <in> science fiction <laughs> the comedy series. <laughs> Uh, so Black Clover, page two fifty two, Water Crusade. So they're fighting with Verica, and uh, Noelle uses her big water attack, and Verica just makes a big blood monster because she has blood magic. Uh, also, uh, and maybe the first time ever, I'm I'm trying to recall if anyone's done this before. Verica actually has two different kinds of magic that she can use. She can use blood magic. Unique. I- I can't believe the Black Clover waited so long to give us this very unique uh, obstacle to overcome. So she Imagine can... the possibilities when you can have two types of magic. It uh-huh. the limits and inspire so much creativity and imagination. Yeah, so it's it's a very interesting thing. She could use two different kinds of magic, blood magic, and the 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 curse warding magic for the demon. And I, what if no one is? What if there are people listening who have never watched or read Black Clover and have never listened to Weekly Manga Recap before? <laughs> well, I think it's weird that you got two hours into the podcast. That this every so often I have somebody like I tell about the podcast it's like oh, I tried listening to us it. like you like you're like I don't read manga, so I have no idea what you're talking about. I was like I did tell you that when you first told you about this all we t- all we talk about is manga if you're in it for the weird wrestling tangents i know we joke about it but 98 percent of the podcast is actually talking about manga 
Well, and also just the format is very different. Like there are people who are my friends who have told me like, I liked your videos, but I don't want to listen to you talk about manga for two hours. <laughs> are you sure? Because it's the best thing in the world. Um, Verica gets stopped by Laura Pachika. Laura Pachika's putting up some pretty, pretty good magic, it looks like. Uh, and we get a little flashback of her explaining. She's like, okay, all the members of the Dark Triad use two types of music, their own and the magic of the devil possessing them. Um, and Verica basically, she's kind of squaring off one-on-one with Noel at this point, a little bit of like Laura Pachika kind of helping, but Verica starts kind of taunting them like, oh, they have those cool jobs, but I got the best job after all. But I will very bluntly just say that our plan is to take the world tree magic user and the, the, the dark magic user and use their magic together. And you're like. Okay. Does everyone on this side want to give away their plan? Yeah. Everyone? <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, Noelle's like, what do you mean? Dark magic. Uh, she doesn't directly connect the dots, but you have to assume that she's like, uh, well, we only know one person with dark magic, so. Uh, Verica is just like, why would I tell nobody like you? Why uh, would I tell you the details of my plan? <laughs> yeah, I've told you everything else thus far. Laura Pachika's goes into her fucking Yami Yugi puzzle brain. <laughs> and like figures out she's like these two magics together <gasps> that thing will open up the demon world or whatever so she's like oh no we can't let this happen so if we do over 90% of the people on this continent will die and it'll spell the end of the world and Noelle's like why are you doing this if you're <laughs> going to die anyway she's like no no I won't die I only want to fight people who would survive like a devil outbreak because those are the only people I'm interested in fighting, basically. So that's her motivation, I guess. Uh, basically, Laura Pachika uses a big spell, mana zone plus mana method creates like a giant like dome of water. And then with that enables Noel to access a new Valkyrie armor form, Mermaid form. You see, with the field power bonus. <laughs> yeah, it feels like that. Because <laughs> it boosts up her side and lowers the stats of the enemy. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she stabs uh, Verica in the chest, in yes. the belly. And Verica's like, like, I have boobs now. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a little bit of cheesecake in this chapter, but what are you going to do? I'm finally wearing something that covers my lower half, which means that I must expose my cleavage. There is, uh, Nick, it's a physical impossibility. I don't know if you knew this. I actually discovered this just recently. Uh, Women are only allowed to cover uh, 40% of their bodies at all times. And which side they want to cover is up to them. But if one side gets covered, the other one has to. It's, you know, sort of like uh, pulling something in two directions. You know, you got to, it's leeway one way or the other. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. That's just science. Uh, it was fine. It was Black Clover. Yep. Yeah. World trigger. Trigger on. Oh. Somehow that's the dorkiest one. <laughs> Chapter 197. Ha ha Delicious. B rank mid tier final match. Uh, we get a color page of some female agents hanging out together. It's this Nasu is squad. Um, Nasu squad. All, I was going to say, ask if it was all Nasu squad. Yep. But uh, you so, can't tell because what's her name's not wearing a big stupid hat. According to you, I think that hat's awesome. Giant obstacle. Yes. Her hat's only. Her hat's only stupid. 
it's the other sniper boy who's got the very stupid hat. That's so. true. That's true. Uh, so people filter out of the completed B rank rank wars match and are starting to go to the one that's still in progress. Uh, and so, and, uh, people get their TV set up and stuff like that. And, uh, Yuma's like, Oh, cause Chica specifically asks like, Hey, can we, you know, watch it on this monitor? And Yuma's like, Oh, you're, you're interested in that. And she says, yeah, because it's my senior snipers final match. Hmm. Is this something we knew about? Look, yeah, well, the monthly schedule made me forget about a lot of details about World Trigger. I'll, I'll, be, I'll fully admit that. I need to just reread this series at some point so I can refresh myself on things I forgot from three it, years ago. It was the big thing that the sniper and Nasu squad was going to be leaving and going to another school or like leaving the city. So this was going to be her last match as a member of Nasu squad as we know them. So presumably she's joining the organization at, at the uh, new location. Yeah, a new, a new area or something, yeah. So uh, we're in the middle of this fight and between Sua Squad, Katori Squad and Nasu Squad. And we get this recap uh, of stuff that has happened thus far, basically. Uh, and we also get introduced, of course, to our commentators, which is uh, Murakami and Narasaka of Miwa Squad. Uh, I recognize Murakami. I don't really recognize Narasaka at all. But... Uh, uh, Narasaka has a connection to some of the teams because he's Nasu's cousin and also Hira's mentor. So it's like, oh, all right. So uh, we get a recap, like I said, where uh, Katori Squad was trying to attack from the high ground. Nasu's like, no, bullets blew up obstacles and stuff. And uh, because of that, the high, they, even with the high ground, Anakin, uh, Katori Squad had to back off. Uh, that we get kind of reintroduced to some of the key techniques that are going on. Like, you know, Nasu's really fucking good with a bajillion bullets and stuff like that. Uh, Kumagai and Sasamori took each other out uh, in an exchange of swords. Both squads moved in on the weekend. Nasu squad, blah, 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 blah. So we've got uh, one point currently for uh, fucking... One point for Nasu squad, one point, two points rather for Sua squad. And uh, yeah, anyway. So they're also talking about like, okay, there are implications based on who scores how many points at this point. One of the teams could potentially make it into the top tier. And then those survival points at the end would be a huge factor if they managed to do that. So despite the fact that this is just the mid card match, basically, it could still be very important for all teams involved. Uh -huh. Uh, some sniper fire gets exchanged, blowing apart shields and stuff as people dodge and run and so on and so forth. Uh, people are worried, of course, about Nasu, as Murakami points out, as, you know, some people are running. Uh, Captain Nasu's birdcage awaits them over there. And, yeah, she fires her bullets, which bend around, and they're basically going through a hate, going through hail with you all using their shields as, an umbr as umbrellas, uh, getting hammered and barely blocking and protecting themselves. Then it becomes time because guess what? For this fight, apparently Katori is the protagonist, I guess, question marks all over the place. But because <laughs> um, she says, you know, kind of in her very typically dismissive way uh, as they're she's analyzing the situation like, yeah, we can't get an ear Nasu squad. Hey, Rokuro or the glasses guy in her team. What do you think? Because I just want to, like, charge in with my shield up 
I mean, does Suicide Squad wants to do that? And he's like, let's not be hasty. And he calls over to Hano asking for a map. And Katori's like, how many times are you going to check the map? Come on. We get a flashback uh, from, I don't remember his name, their third member's perspective. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, this is a challenge. There's like moments in this chapter where I'm like, I don't, I barely remember the main members of this squad. There's like the overhead shot where they're like, things look bad for Nasu squad. And I was like, there's two characters. There's two male characters with like spiky short black hair. And I have no idea who they are or which squad they belong to. Zero. And uh, then we get to a part in the chapter where I briefly had a heart attack because I was like, oh, no, is, Arash- is Ashihara OK? Because there's sketches for a few pages and like, oh, no, the chapter is kind of incomplete. And, uh, yeah. Is he OK? So um, Katori, uh, we, we get a flashback from the, the from the Katori squad's third member's perspective to just after round seven ended. And they're, you know, having an argument. Uh, Ro- uh, Rokuro is scolding for Katori, Katori for charging in blindly. And she's like, I mean, it's fine. We ended it with a tie, right? And he's like, well, if we'd been more cautious at the end, we could have scored additional points. Uh, we're only one point ahead of Suicide Squad now. And if, and if we're going to break into the top tier, they're our main rivals. You've got to think ahead a little. So Kori, Katori told him in response, all right, the next match is the final one. So I'll follow all your commands. I won't go rogue on you. I'll only do whatever you say. And they're like, what? And Rokuro says, look, I'm just asking you to not be careless because it's a bad habit of yours. And Katori just defends herself by saying, I can't tell the difference between careless and careful. So I'm just going to follow whatever strategy you come up with. That's good enough, right? We cut to the present and Rokuro He's definitely not feeling that pressure at all. He's fine. He's handling it. He could be a leader. He, it's cool. Everything's fine. I've got it under control. He's basically you, uh, Osamu before the character development is, oh. is what I'm getting from this. So he's shouting instructions to Katori as they're running together along rooftops that we've, they've got to pursue Nasu squad, attack them alongside Sua squad Tells Katori to watch out for another Suicide Squad faint. Uh, Nasu's just leading them all down the street, and she's, of course, got her bullets and stuff like that to, to hold them off if they get too close. Uh, we get some commentary from... Uh, I think this is Sua. It's, it's also very hard to tell because of the sketchy pattern, but he's like, what the fuck, Katori? Why aren't you, you know, charging in? That's like your trademark. Then we get inside Rokuro's head... And he's starting to really buckle and overthink things and stuff. He's losing track of how many points are in the match and how many they need to get. Uh, Nasu reports to her operator, hey, Sayo, Kidori's coming. Uh, she gets some vipers out, sends them coming towards Rakuro and Katori, and he's still just like, oh no, oh, what kind of a, what kind of an attack is this? Is it concentrated or is it going to come from all angles? Ah! But he, at the last minute, uh, realizes, okay, uh, focus. So he just summons up that kind of shield and blocks it. But some of the bullets go past him and trigger a trap that was left behind. And it explodes and takes him out and nearly takes out Katori as well, but Katori's fine. 
So basically they realize like, oh, so she so Nasu placed a little trap while she was running away. And it's something that it can't you can only trigger it from a certain distance. But if you shoot it with a bullet or you use a wire, you can also detonate it from further away. So there you go. Um, so Katori just says to Rikuro as he's forced to bail out, geez, what do I do now? Rikuro, yo. All right. Got to do things my way again. And so uh, Hana says to her, all right, well, what about the trigger that Rikuro asked you to equip? And she's like, I don't want to lose that. I'm losing battle like this one, though. And Hana reminds her, well, you said you were going to follow his commands to the letter. And she's like, all right, but this pisses me off. And she conjures from her hand a bunch of spiders. Oh, look at that. Um, Chris, God, I just I'm trying to work up energy to care about this match. It's Ori back. It's Ori oh my God. Uh, this, I love Ashiar. I actually legitimately actually really kind of like it when it's still even in sketch form. I think that's like still very distinct and very cool. Um, and I hope he's okay. I'm not complaining about the quality of it. I'm just no. worried about him. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, no, I'm just saying, like, this chapter is there. I I understand. There's something we could probably learn. It seems very significant to have a character who's very skilled offensively using spiders as something for Osamu to kind of learn off of. Since they're going to be going on this away team, it's good for him to see something like that, probably. Um, I just have so much trouble carrying i just like i don't know this after so much time spent in the b-rank wars to do the final match of the big moment osamu did it where they won they're going and now it's time for everyone else <laughs> they're like hey guys what about one more match like no 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 i'm tired we're supposed to be done now and also it doesn't help that like the previous chapter was just a recap so we've it's been two months now since that giant climactic moment and now it's like uh, okay um, there are little bits here and there of this chapter that i liked and i do think that it could be interesting to see you know characters that we don't typically follow suddenly thrust into momentarily the lead role yeah but uh, I, I i do i do definitely understand where you're coming from in terms of like it's hard to care about this because you know Tamakoma 2 is not involved in any way whatsoever, and they've achieved their goal. So why are we still following the rank wars? So. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, yeah. Basically, you got it. Okay, guys, that is going to do it for the manga recap. We want to thank you all for joining us. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Roti. Uh, normally, I would tell you when we're going to be getting recording, but uh, next week we're not going to be getting recording at that time. So yeah. let's sign off after naming our favorites for this week. Favorite series and MVP. Uh, I'm going to give favorite series. I'm going to give to Mashal. I thought Mashal was really, really fun this week. And I really had a lot. I, I really enjoyed seeing Mash look that cool. I definitely understand that. Uh, my favorite series this week is. I think I'm going to give it to Mashal, too. Because oh. I think it's just like something that's just like solid from beginning to end. You've oh. got the tense confrontation between Mash and the uh, 
next big bad uh, of this series and then it just descends into cartoonish goofiness and yet the entire time as it's going through it it's like yeah this is mash you know he's and he's like acting funny during the serious moments and then serious and then it turns out he was being funny during the serious moment too and it's yeah, yeah very good just, so. just very fun uh my character of the week i'm going to give to denji i thought this is a really good character chapter for denji uh I'm going to get, I, yeah, 100% agreement with you this week. I think that this is a tremendous, like, moment of mature, maturation for him. And I don't mean the sense of, like, oh, he's becoming a better person from this. It's he's growing to understand the lifestyle he's involved with more now as a result. And he's, like, actively realizing that, like, in order for me to continue to do this, I just have to accept that there are some things that I should know as little about as possible. Otherwise it's going to affect my ability to survive. So yeah. uh, the audience pick chainsaw man as their chapter of the week and Denji as their character of the week. And that makes a lot of sense. Very popular character this week, Denji. Yep. So there you go. All right. All that's going to do it. Uh, follow us on Twitter for updates and stuff like that. Your hosts are at realty and at Nick F time. That's an I K F F T I M E at R O L L O T. And at WMR Podcast is the official podcast account. Be sure to check out our Discord server with, through there. You can also find the Google Doc that NinjaX3i maintains that has all sorts of stuff like other series that we have covered before, series we'll be covering next and stuff like that. Uh, if you're getting some ideas on what series you want to try and uh, uh, bid, bid, that was the word I was looking for. It's such a simple word. Series you want to bid for during uh, the auction uh, next week as we uh, try and raise money for a charity due to all of the stuff going on in Minneapolis and all across the nation, then uh, you can also look to the Google Doc potentially for ideas there. Uh, we want to give special thanks to Steve Manor Tech Artist, to everyone who supports us on Patreon, to Infamous Planet for making the visual frame for the stream, and uh, to Milo Jack Stillitz and Wensley L. Cheddar for the opening sequence of Weekly Manga Recap. Absolutely. Again, guys, it's just a quick reminder in case you came in at the start of the episode or you missed the start of the episode, rather. Yeah. Next What's week. we talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be doing a 12 hour stream here on twitch.tv slash rollot. It's going to start at 10 a.m. It's going to end around 10 p.m. Probably go a little bit longer just because it's how we do it. But it's going to end with the newest episode of Weekly Manga Recap. And throughout the day, we're going to be auctioning or doing a lottery. We still haven't figured out the mechanics, but mm -hmm. for a bunch of different items, uh, for example, I have uh, a complete copy of Fire Emblem Path of Radiance here. It's not in the best condition, but it does have the game, the uh, fucking manual, all that shit. So that's like something where we're going to be looking to give out. And uh, I've got some sealed products over here. And the big thing, is, I guess, would be the newest recommendation for Weekly Manga Recap. Yeah. You're going to be able to you know go for that so something like that we're gonna we're gonna try this out and uh we're gonna have a lot of fun hopefully I, i've got some yes. i've got some secret stuff i'm playing to kind of throw out for it yep and uh i have one surprise that i'm very proud of myself for finding i've already told chris about it and uh yeah anyway um yeah so be sure to join us next week if you can and yeah you could end up winning a fabulous prize and all of the proceeds go to a worthy cause yep absolutely that's going to do it. So, of course, we're not going to name our recommended recommended series yet. We will find out together with you guys what Indeed. that will be next week. They're like, I want you to read Kodama no Chigan again. I'm like, God oh, damn it. All right. Well, it's for charity. 